0: Hey, welcome to another episode of the Joe Rule Podcast, where I connect with other introverted, creative, or highly sensitive entrepreneurs and tell their stories and explore their unique struggles and uncover the tools and tactics that they use to thrive. So in this episode, I interviewed Victoria Lucia Montemayor, and she calls herself a wisdom archaeologist, which means that her business is centered around working with visionaries and other entrepreneurs and preserving their wisdom and helping them uncover their deepest knowledge and share it with the world. Victoria is the gutsiest and bravest woman that I've ever met, but also she is the most unflinching person that I've ever met when it comes to digging into emotional traumas and emotional healing and overcoming those things in order to reach her own goals in relationships and in her business. So, in this episode we talk about going on a her going on a 10-day Vipassana silent retreat and just the fundamental shift that caused in her life and all of the results from that. We talk about making space for two and a half years of depression and dealing with that depression and dealing with grief uh, amidst the everyday life of an entrepreneur and how to manage that. Uh, We talk about how to follow the inner voice and follow intuition in business and allow or make space for that quiet voice to come through and to be able to soak up its wisdom in making decisions and we talk about how to talk about some of the struggles that highly sensitive or introverted people might have introverted entrepreneurs specifically might have in negotiating with clients and how to hold your ground against really strong personalities and then towards the end We go into, take a deep dive into lots of different therapy modalities. Victoria has tried probably at least half or 90% of all of the different therapy modalities that are out there. Some of these include, well, Vipassana, like I mentioned before. Um, She went to a clairvoyant and did acupuncture and went to chiropractor regularly. Um, Another thing was rolfing, which is a type of massage, and um, we talk about uh, chakras and some things around that concept, and also talk about her mentor and and therapist that she works with very closely. So it was a real pleasure to have the opportunity to facilitate Victoria telling her story. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. Hi, Victoria.
1: Hey, Joe.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the show.
1: Oh,
2: I'm so excited we're doing this. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for having oh, me. I'm I'm so, so excited. Uh, I, I can't uh, even explain.
0: Me too. This is <laughs> going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. And thanks so much for giving your Monday afternoon or Monday evening to do yeah. this.
2: Yeah. yeah, of
0: course. So, to give a a little bit of background, um, you and I met on the Nomad List forum about two and a half, almost three years ago. Yeah, almost three years ago. Yeah.
2: An online forum. We are proof that you can (laughs) move from online to (laughs) in-person.
0: If both people will follow through on obligations. Yeah. (laughs) But... I was in Merida, Mexico, and you were in Playa del Carmen, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. we arranged to meet up and had tacos. Yeah. tacos.
2: We met for yeah. like an hour, and then that was it. And I didn't see you for yep. like two years after that. Yep. <laughs> but we both um, knew we were empaths like right away. I think we yes. talked about that the first yeah. time we met.
0: We did. <laughs> <laughs> That's so yep. funny. But yeah, two years later, now I have I've moved to Austin. Yeah, um, you just in, moved. Yeah, um, one month and three days ago. Wow! <laughs> not in small part to you being very generous and Aww. hosting me here and showing me around. Aww, so
2: thank you. <laughs> I keep the card that you wrote by my bedside. Oh no, nice. it was so sweet, <laughs> so sweet, and it. it really makes me feel um like seen a lot Mm. like that one
0: card so you're welcome (laughs) Ah,
2: there's like a mutual love fest (laughs) happening right now
0: (laughs) all right happiness is over
2: yeah let's get
1: to the serious (laughs) stuff
0: it's very serious (laughs) um so you're a big fan of this type of music that i'm i'm not even sure i know how to say it so i'm i'll just let you take it from here but why um what is it first of all (laughs) and why try
2: it you have to try it try saying it out loud
0: right um reggaeton
2: yeah oh my gosh perfect (laughs) uh i i just might put the accent a little harder so like reggaeton like just a little harder on the end of it but bit. but I'm not the pro. Look, I'm the pro among my white friends and just for <laughs> anyone listening, I'm half white, half Mexican. So I'm not quite full Latina and I'm not, not quite. quite full white girl. So depending <laughs> on what what crowd I'm in, um if I'm around a lot of white girls, then I feel like I'm the expert gotcha. <laughs> on everything gotcha. Latina. Um but your question is
0: well, what what is that music and why do you like it so much?
2: um that music i kind of talk about it like latin rap music um oh, even if it's yeah. you know and i'm not a musical expert so i'm sure for the big aficionados i'm gonna screw it up or piss somebody off but um i think of it like that because it kind of you know, like if you remember the the reputation rap had Mm-hmm. When it first came out, like outside of the culture it was made for and came from a lot of people, like it had a really bad rap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or I don't even know if that's the right thing to say. But like it's also kind of has the same reputation um that it's like it. it so it's so it's like it has like a beat, like it has the same beat to it, boom boom, boom 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 boom. so it's just like real heavy beat music. Um, and it's, oh. it's usually about the lyrics can be horrible, like degrading to women. Like if you actually listen to it, um, cause it's um, all about like hooking up or, uh, affairs or,
0: okay. Now I'm really curious why you enjoy it.
2: <laughs> well, the beat, it's just so good. Like I can listen for, to it in for
0: dancing. Yeah. And or... in my
2: car, I'll listen oh, to it in okay. my car and it's just a great, like pick me up. Um. Mm. And I'll tell, like I remember telling one of my aunts, one of my tias in Mexico, that I really love that kind of music. And she, the look she gave me was like, "What are you talking about?" So it's definitely looked down upon, at least in my experience. But people who love to dance love that kind of music. It's like booty shaking, like right, get down.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if I if I did dance to that in Mexico the the beat that you said feels very very familiar It yeah. well, it is a lot of fun
2: and it's what's i don't know interesting and or boring about it depending on how you look at it is like the beat is the same for for like almost every song oh so like okay. the underlying like mm-hmm. beat of the song all has the same <laughs> beat to it and some people think that's lame but i don't i love it it gets me in a good mood almost no matter yeah. what time of day or night, so if I have to be in the car, I like that kind of music. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think probably the the closest thing I have to that is electronica uh-huh. um, dubstep type uh-huh. music. I've used that for years and years or I guess I would call it emotional regulation.
1: oh
2: <laughs> oh, what tell me about that?
0: <laughs> just to. Well, it's, it's really good motivational music. I used to listen to it a lot when I was working and no matter how tired I was, if I'm listening to that. I can always concentrate and always get work done.
2: Oh, oh, um, okay. See, I can't work with that. Oh. With, like, like, I just want to move and like, I can't Well, sit yeah, my, sometimes
0: I bounce around in the chair <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> well, but, that's cool. Okay. Um and continuing with the more lighthearted yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. You have a very unique name, at least for oh. um an American <laughs> person. <laughs> uh can you tell us or explain what um your name means to you, the significance oh, of it to you?
2: Yeah. So my full name is Victoria Lucia Montemayor. Mm-hmm. And um Victoria means victory. Um, Lucia means light. These are like rough, mm. simple translations, um, but I think they're one hundred percent accurate. And Montemayor actually means like the bigger mountain. So if you're saying like, "Ooh, big mountain, small mountain," Monte mm. Mayor Monte would mean um, a very a derivative of mountain or variation of that. Um, and so then what I have taken this on to mean is victorious light, which is a pretty big shoes to fill. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, but, um, but I think it's, it's just a beautiful name and it's such some, it's something that I can live up to. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily, I I don't believe in coincidence. And one of the things that's super, one of the things that I, um, know that I'm here for is to help bring heaven on earth. And that's a weird fucking thing to say to people. Um, but I, I do own that and I've Mm -hmm. kind of always been like that, even if I hadn't, um, didn't use those words before. Like I remember being a little girl and wanting to um, be a part. I remember someone asked me like what I wanted to be and I was like part-time policeman, part-time fireman, part-time teacher, like all the service jobs of like all the coolest service jobs. Like I just wanted to go and help people. Um, And, and so I, I just, I take I don't even want to say I take it seriously, but I just have owned it over time. Um and what, I've let myself like embody that.
0: What does you said you, um, your mission is to bring heaven on earth? Yeah. What does that look like? Or what does heaven represent?
2: That's such a big question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um
2: um well, well, let me think. Well, Hold on. Or do you have like a clarification maybe?
0: Well, maybe how does that manifest itself in daily life?
2: I want to use my time here for the best and most highest good that I can. You know, Mm. I don't don't think that I'm here to save the world from anything. Like, that's not anything one person can do. But I can commit to using my time very wisely and to use my gifts for their highest purpose. And that doesn't always mean the biggest purpose. It doesn't always mean the the thing that's gonna make you the most money. Um, mm. um, but it's it's a way that I kind of tap into that soul part of me, that inner guide part of me that um that tells me, yeah, this is it. You're like do this thing or don't do that thing. And one of the ways that it shows up, maybe in my business. Would be um, that I that I work with people who are also here, and know that they are here to bring something. They have some kind of wisdom or teaching or mastery that they've uh, accomplished, and um, I dedicate my time to helping them share their work with the world, share their wisdom. Um, and so this like helping bring heaven on earth could change like what that definition or interpretation means but that's one one way that I use it now um or that's one explanation um another another way that's like not always so professional is I I tend to tap into that deeper part of somebody, even just friends, even when they just come to visit for three days in Austin. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's not always something that I seek to do, but that is kind of like, I can't even say it's not a conscious choice. It's just like part of like my being that I'm always interested in. Like, well, what are you really here for? And what, what, gets you excited and look you don't look excited about this and what would make this exciting for you those kinds of deeper questions about life so does that answer your question it does
0: (laughs) it does i'm i'm finding more and more how important it is to answer or to search for answers for those questions because um Therein lies the motivation and the passion and the reason for getting up in the morning, yeah, really, and for continuing to to move forward because sometimes life sucks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, but, yeah, instilling and in pursuing those things and instilling a lot of deep meaning in your life, yeah, makes it worthwhile.
2: Yeah, and that's something that is. I don't want to say uniquely ours because I don't know about other beings fully, like plants or other animals. I don't know all the all of what they do, but I know for us, it is our. We have the capability to do that.
0: You mean as, as, humans, as humans? yes. Yeah. that is.
2: So why the, not? And yeah. I would just maybe add, like, it's not always the answer that you need to find but sometimes just living inside the question and that mm-hmm. is a lot of what I've come to become comfortable with because it's a constant evolution mm-hmm. and changing you get to one place and I had a teacher kind of share this with me like you get to the top of one mountain and then you see another mountain like you couldn't see that one before mm-hmm. getting to this one so
0: there's oh that's hard to unpack but (laughs) there's a lot there but i think there is something in that um the best life we can live is dwelling in the unknown instead of because as soon as as soon as you're certain about something it's That's when you start getting closed off and and bad things start happening in your life.
2: Well, I don't know about good or bad, but you definitely start to have blinders and that's all Mm -hmm. you see. And leaving things a little looser leaves you in the discovery. So that just feels better to go through life, (laughs) kind of discovering what's going to happen and not knowing Mm -hmm. this isn't going to work or or knowing. This is it for me once I get here mm-hmm. it's gonna all everything's gonna change like both sides of knowing um take the the discovery joy that that kind of joy out of yeah the journey
0: another way of saying it might be to live without ego at least i I connect those two yeah. concepts the The ego is the thing that's always searching for certainty and as soon as. When you're in an egoless state, <clears throat> um, it's easy to live in flow and free and without fear. Yeah. Needing, um, needing concrete, sure things in life, which are ultimately are an illusion. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah. There's not as much grasping.
0: Mm-hmm
1: look at us right away (laughs) bam
0: that's the the INFJ symptom (laughs) or empath or whatever you want to call it you are an entrepreneur Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and have been for how many years is it now
2: we're going on 7 I think 2012 nice the end of 2011 beginning of 2012 is when I left a cushy federal position <laughs> <laughs> and uh I started freelancing and just mm. kind of do you know you kind of have to try a lot of things when you're starting something new or at least for some people I did I had to try a lot of things and I found a lot of things that I liked and found a lot of things that I didn't like and okay. so that was the start of that yeah
0: And the the thing that you ultimately landed on or at least where you are right now in 2019 (laughs) um you call yourself a wisdom archaeologist which is in regular business speak you work in copywriting and marketing and um web you build websites and that type of thing right
2: yeah i'm a storyteller Mm -hmm. and a digital curator so I uh, work with people who are experts in their field. I think we kind of already touched on this. Luminaries, people with something here to share and help them share their work online so that so it means marketing, but it also means taking someone's wisdom and turning it into a consumable piece of content, so like a book or a course. And that could sound really markety, but it but a lot of my clients actually aren't even all that interested in selling, they want to make an impact. So they are more focused on, does this piece of content, does this book, does this course actually cause people, you know, the the consumer of the book to take action in a new way? Because if you're here to like alter the status quo, like you want people to not just buy your book, you want them to read it and take an action with it. And that's what my... Clients are super interested in.
0: Hmm. So it's about moving. Yeah, it's about moving beyond the sales and ju- and making oh, yeah. real, like actual impact in people's yeah. lives, not just yeah. generating dollar figures. Eventually, my question is going to be, how did you land on that as a sure. mission? Sure.
2: Sure. What
0: led it to you? Yeah. What led you to it? <clears throat>
2: So it's really interesting, you know, we can all talk about our personal story in a hundred different ways. But mm. let's see, on the technology side, I had always built websites since the internet came to my bedroom in 1996. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I remember. It was like a big deal. What, and, what
0: did you use to build um, websites?
2: I hard coded in HTML on GeoCities and Angel Fire, like, Anyone who's listening, nice. give me a freaking shout out for that. I learned HTML like as a twelve-year-old and hard coded like with tables and scrolly banners. Backstreet Boys was my first website that I coded, <laughs> <coughs> and um, and I made a blog in high school before blogs even existed. So blogs now you can enter content and content will automatically show up in reverse order like i had to hard code my information like the different posts that i made so that they would show up in reverse order
0: and like oh, right. and i had
2: to hard code like each entry and the headline and everything like i look at back at that now and i'm like who the hell was this little girl like <laughs> and i had all these opinions about things that showed up at school and there was like national national news during that time too but so that's my technology side um maybe on the like personal natural skill side like I've always been able to help people put whatever it is they're trying to say into words like I remember with my with my father he's English is not his first language and I just remember having conversations with him and helping him like put not that he needed a lot of help, but you know, you get to like a certain complex thought, and you're like, I don't know the word for this, and I would just be able to like help him with that. Um, but then on the personal mission side, so this is another slice of it. Um, I had been working with a with a life coach for like a year or two by at, at this time, at the time that this business was born, um, and I had been doing personal growth and personal development. It's hardcore for a couple years. What
0: year was this?
1: This is horrible.
2: I don't know. (laughs) 2015 maybe. So within the last four or five years. (laughs) So at that time I had been working, I had done just a lot of personal growth and personal development and it, I couldn't share these tools with people like, because the content and the people who were, providing these services to me were so crap crappily marketed like i explain it like like you want to introduce someone really cool to someone and you share their linkedin profile and it has like two entries of the same job and they're like half filled out and you're like right. this person doesn't even look legit but you don't know they've like altered my entire life and i really want you to meet them and so well this is interesting so i went on It's a long story. Should I keep going?
0: Yeah. Okay. That's what we're here for.
2: (laughs) So I ended um, a business relationship. I I mentioned before that I had done a lot of different types of things prior to settling on this. And I mostly I just helped other people with their businesses and their ideas because I didn't know what I wanted. But I just kept running into like a values mismatch with people like my values and their values at the core were not the same. And so I left this business partnership or, or people didn't want to grow or they didn't really, I don't know. Like they just, we just weren't on the same page, different people. And this coach of mine that I had at the time, um, when I left this last business partnership, he said, okay, Victoria, what's your runway? How much time do you have before you need money? And I said, I have three months. And he said, okay, I want you to go do Vipassana. And Vipassana, and some people call it Vipassana. um, It's a 10-day silent meditation retreat. And um, it's mostly to, well, there's a whole, that's a whole separate story we can go into. But I went and did this 10-day silent meditation retreat. I trusted my coach. He said to do it. What?
0: And I asked "Where? where did you do that?
2: Oh, I went to Menominee, Wisconsin.
0: Oh wow that's a long yeah. No way yeah away
2: i I went and so these courses are held all over the world, and um and that was the first like that was the next one I could get into like I was willing to go anywhere, like I just wanted to go and get this course done, so I went and did it um it Menominee, Wisconsin is right outside the Swiss Miss factory of America, so we were all in silent and smelling chocolate the whole time. <laughs> Thank God somebody told me that before we all became silent, because otherwise I'd be confused as fuck. So,
0: that is hilarious.
1: I
2: did this. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Vipassana is a whole separate thing we can talk about. But so I did this 10 day silent meditation retreat. um, And I came out of it for the first time, like really feeling sensation on my body moving at a slow pace, actually being in touch with that thing inside that tells you go here, don't go here, pause, stop. This is it. This is not it. I, ha- I don't know where I had been, but I had been way disconnected from that. It, it, uh, I, we could even talk about times I flat out ignored that, that, that soul voice, you oh, know, I
0: think we've definitely all done that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: and I was so in tune with that. I couldn't do anything else. So I came back from Vipassana and I just, I would sit by the window in peaceful, 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 and just like watch like blades of grass grow, you know, like you're just so, you're so enthralled with life and the beauty of life
0: was was it really overwhelming to come back to a city after that sensory the sensory stimulation of a city and versus a 10-day retreat
2: yes and no um at first i was so anchored in the peace and calm that I could be in the airport and wa- I remember wa- I remember calling my boyfriend at the time and just like laughing at all the drama I saw um but since then I would say it really opened up my sensitivity to the world like it was a crack opening like the beginning of something and um and maybe it's maybe there's nothing wrong with that and it just kind of showed me who I really am as a sensitive being that I had kind of like built up this armor around to make it through in the world. Um, but now I design my whole day to avoid traffic or to avoid crowds. Like I go grocery shopping at odd hours and I do everything because I don't like the stress that most of us live in. And I just avoid that. Um. So I'm, so I'm, I'm back at home after this 10 day silent retreat. um, And after about two months of just kind of, I mean, honestly, just taking it easy. Like it, I, I don't even remember. I wish I had like recorded some of the stuff (laughs) I was thinking about, but I got this urge to build a website for this coach of mine, kind of going back to these, these coaches and these people that, I had come across that had really made a big difference in my life. And it was those kinds of urges that maybe I had felt before and I had ignored or something. And I still had a runway. So I just asked him, I said, Hey, can I make, can I make this for you? And he said, yes. Um, and I just worked on it night and day for about a month. And I came up with a process of how to do it. Um, where I interview his clients. Cause obviously I'm a client, but I don't know all his clients. And so I said, Hey, can I interview six people? Give me some people. And I would interview him um, to get, to get the website, excuse me, in his language. And that's the basis of what I do now. So a month later, this guy had a logo, a tagline, a new website, and he was making, um, Big sales like upwards of $20,000 oh and th- I mentioned this if anyone's interested in in like website stuff it's the way I explain it is this is money that's left on the table like so so it's not pushy sales stuff this is money that's already here you're already like enthralling people in your circle they just it's just like now there's a home where they can check you out and see your work and see the capacity of different clients that you've worked with and read their testimonials. And um, and that was the first website I did. And people who didn't know me but knew him were like, oh my God, this is him. This is him. You totally captured how he is. And he he kept referring me to other clients of his. And that was just the start.
0: Wow. Remind me again what year that was?
2: Like 2015, I think. It might be 2016, okay. but, I, but I think it's 2015. So, just on that
0: one, you had the silent retreat, mm-hmm. and then a month and a half or two months of reflection.
2: Like, yeah, like two months of reflection. And then. but but, it, but I didn't know, that's the thing. Like, I didn't know in month three there's going to be a revelation.
0: Like, no, nobody, like, nobody. Like, you knows just that. follow
2: it and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm not feeling like an impulse. So, I'm going to not do yeah. anything. And so, I ended up selling my Forerunner at the time. I had uh, it. Okay. A, this is the same. Yeah. Okay, It's the same one. Same story. I had a, a tricked out black on black Forerunner with the rims, with all, like, it was my baby. I loved it. Um, but i knew i needed more time like that was the message i was getting like after the vipassana piece i needed more time to figure out what the next move is kind of where i am now you know like mm. i can tell there's a transition happening and and i and we've talked about this like i i can tell i just need it just needs to go at a, at its own pace and it's unfolding um so I ended up selling my forerunner, and that gave me another three months. So all in all, I had about six months before I brought in anything significant I could live on.
0: Can you that that piece right there of following you have an, you must have an extremely um you must be extremely patient. <laughs> with, with that inner voice, um, because I've I've definitely gotten that before. That that voice that tells me to do something. In fact, mm-hmm. this this podcast is one of those. Really, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> um, but it it had to poke me in the head mm-hmm. for almost a year, mm-hmm. and I had to. I had to lose my home in Portugal and move back to the U.S. You were kind and, of forced, yeah. To come back, like the muse or whatever. Yeah. Had to break my arm before. Yeah. So, was that something you learned over time to to just exercise that kind of patience?
2: Yes, with yourself. So even since then, I, I would say the majority of the work that I've done since then has brought me even more refinement in listening to that little voice inside um but those 10 days like if you want like a kick in, can i i can cuss freely on this
1: yeah of okay yeah of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: you want to kick in the ass and you want you want like fucking olympic level like straight out of the box vipassana is is that your 10 days with yourself and you can talk to people if, they, if you have like a health emergency or a question about meditation. I mean, it's they're not going to it's nothing like harmful. You're not going to hurt yourself or anything with it. But that level of being in tune with your body and you literally just sit and observe and feel body sensations for 12 to 14 hours a day um, in with breaks and all of that. But just really deep monk style meditation um, it heightens your, you get like really sharp, um, with your uh, sensation, like your ability to discern and your sensitivity goes up because all the noise and the junk, um, gets to be processed out finally. Um, and I've done it I've done it a second time since then too. Oh really? Yeah. Did you
0: go back to Wisconsin for that? No,
2: one? I went I came I went to the place here near Dallas. There's a place uh, okay. right outside of Dallas. Yeah. I,
0: I actually have that place bookmarked. Yeah. So to so do one. Yeah. Good. Hopefully early next year. Uh, so
2: Oh, early next year, like January?
0: Uh It depends on how much I listen to that little voice.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like, that's one way to do it. There's lots of ways. Like, you just have to start listening. That's one way to really let that voice be stronger. Um, But you don't have to wait until you're sick with the flu to take a break and take a vacation. You know, like when I I don't get sick hardly anymore. But when I do, to me, it It means, oh, I missed some signs that I needed to take a break. And so now my body is forcing me to take a break. Um, So you don't have to, because that's what it is. Once you're sick, like you kind of just say, well, fuck this. I'm just going to Netflix and, you know, eat soup all day or something. And you're finally doing what you needed to do all along.
0: I actually had a um, a little over a week ago, I had that experience. Mm and. I'm still, I'm still not exactly sure where it came from. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that interpretation, but, um, yeah, I, I read something online and I think it stirred up a lot of stuff Mm. and ended up getting, um, very severe backache. Yes. I could, it was hard to sleep. It was hard to stand up out of a chair Um, I trained jujitsu every day, so that was just excruciating. And then about 12 hours, that was the next day, about 12 hours after I read the article, I got a sore throat and ended up with a sinus infection. Yep. And.
2: There's a really great book, um, by Louise Hay. Oh, you know that book. Okay. Yeah, that's how I, that's
0: actually how I, in air quotes, diagnosed myself. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Oh, I reference Um, that all the time. Um, our, our bodies and psyches and souls are actually super integrated and they're always speaking to us. And we don't have a lot of training in the modern world on how to listen to those signals and how to interpret them. Um, I'm by no means an expert, but I have gone and searched for my own, what I could find. And then it's like life now. I don't feel as alone. Like, I feel like I have, that's this inner guide, which really manifests both as like a soul, but then my physical, the physical manifestation of that and my psyche. And it's like, I'm, I'm always checking in to see, well, what, what's, what's the communication now? And what's next and how am I doing and how am I feeling and what do I need?
0: Would, would you say that loneliness is actually a disconnection from the self then? It's not actually a, an external thing?
2: So I'm not a medical doctor, psychotherapist. And I, so I don't know the answer to that question. But I do know for me, the solution to loneliness has been primarily connecting to myself. Like I could not feel satisfied always looking outward for to somebody else. Although we all need people and yeah. I think it's important. We need people and we need healthy relationships in our lives and if you don't have them like you that needs to be a priority on working on that. Um I don't like I don't like some of the things some of the like literature to say that that goes around saying like all you need is yourself. Like, no, we need people. <laughs> we need <Yeah>. healthy relationships. <laughs> um, but 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 I have to be good with me. Mm-hmm. Um and when I am good with me, I'm not as lonely feeling. Although loneliness and loneliness has been a big sentence in my life, like a big Recurring,
0: you mean kind of thing? You mean sentences in a group of words, or a, no or a condemnation? Yeah, or punishment.
2: Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say punishment, but that's but it's it's felt like you know up up and through this journey I've been on that that's been like mm-hmm. fuck, man. I feel lonely. Like why do I always feel lonely? Like why am I always alone? Like like even how I say that is like really pissed off and like alone Mm. like that. That's how it lives or has lived. And I've had to work on that part for me.
0: That sounds sad. Oh yeah. (laughs) The way way you say it is mournful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's been a lot of the grieving that I've done Mm. and reconnecting with myself and making sure like Oh, and I've worked on that. Like if you if you're out there thinking that you're alone or feeling like you're alone, I can tell you 100% it's possible to build a relationship with yourself where you're reliable and dependable to take care of yourself. I did not have those skills. Within the last 3 years, I've built those like night after night with myself. So now I don't feel that Painful loneliness. Like I have like we all have like little dips, but it's not a sentence so much anymore.
1: It is possible. You have to know that. I want people mm-hmm. to know that. that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um I can't remember how we got down that bunny trail. You were talking about the, the well, you asked 10 me day. How,
2: Yeah, you asked me how I started this business. <laughs>
0: Right. And it's right. a
2: long story of how the business got started. And so it re- to me, it really feels like divinely led because it <sighs> fucking was divinely led. Like I did not come up with this. Like I had an inkling to make a website and I just did it and I knocked people's socks off mm-hmm. and I kept doing it and kind of going back to being here to help bring heaven on earth or being he- like wanting to use my time wisely. Um, you know, there's a lot of different websites developers and makers and copywriters and marketers and whatever. Um, but the people that I am here to help are those people who have deep wisdom to share and who are spiritual beings here sharing their knowledge on the planet. Those are the ones that I want to help market like market effectively. Um, because along my journey, I have wanted, I only want to work with the best And that doesn't mean like status better than someone else. It just means like, I want to work with the people who have the, the, the experience of, of having traveled down many paths and gone on many challenges themselves. And that's who I want to learn from. And those people are not always the best marketed and the best marketed people aren't always the wisest when you come across people online and I think especially in this kind of like new age resurgence, um, we're all young people. A lot of us, you know, 35 and younger, um, a lot of seekers. Um, you know, I want, I want my fellow seekers to be able to have access to the best resources that I've found too. Hmm. I never talk good. like I don't get to talk like this very often. thank you. <laughs>
0: thanks for speaking so freely. I keep yeah. on looking over at the computer to make sure it's recording <laughs> okay good good good. So I was reading through your website oh. in, in preparation for this, and throughout the the testimonials from your clients um, people consistently say that you really dig deep and pour yourself into interviews and in the into your relationship with the client and the I think one person said that they that you made them feel like a person instead of just a client Mm -hmm. um so you you make people feel seen and understood uh, which I've definitely experienced (laughs) as well um do you have any suggestions for people to, that want to
1: foster that as a skill? That's a really good question. Um, for I would say first
2: is genuine. Like I genuinely want to give as much as I give. Um, and it's actually been a challenge for me to kind of fit that into a business model I wouldn't say an impossible challenge, but I've had to take that into account that I just love to pour into someone once I kind of get in contact with them. So a lot of what I do is all inclusive or like just an all in style of service providing. Um, But if somebody wanted to cultivate that, um, I would say find out what you genuinely care about and 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 how you genuinely want to serve people like who is the population you genuinely want to serve and how do you want to serve them? Um, there are things that I'm, that I don't pour myself into. So it's not like I do everything for everyone.
1: Um, but let me see. I'm trying to think of something like a tactical, um,
0: I think, is that what you're? I think that's the perfect answer. Okay, really, is. You know, it's a lesson that I've been learning recently that there is a. There is a being inside that has its own desires, and that, and there's no sense in trying to override those. And so you may as well just give it what it wants because it's going to it's going to take you places that you can't even imagine and life is going to be much brighter and more interesting and happier. And I would say
2: it's not like a being inside that wants something that you don't want it. To me, the journey has felt like a massive friendly return to who I remember being as a little kid. So, so it's like perfectly aligned. Like I think if if little five-year-old Victoria could like hear this conversation she'd just cry like mm-hmm. I get to be that you know that's um it's entirely what I but you know maybe not exactly like who get who it's like it's so hard to predict right but to if I were to meet her And tell her, like, oh, just wait until we can do this. Like, just hold on to this idea, like, that piece of you. Um, I think she'd be thrilled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not anything I don't want to do,
1: if that makes sense.
0: Well, a lot of people, myself included, think they know what they want. Um, It's not
2: a thinking Yeah, it's or it's less of a thinking thing than you think
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it it requires sorting through um a lot of noise in Mm -hmm. the head and um being yeah being brave enough to to take the leap and And risk it because the the inner guide um, the things that it wants are always a little scary.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, but that's I think going back. One thing I didn't say when you were talking earlier about like letting go of ego. Mm-hmm. To me, the experience when I'm really kind of in that calm space is like a suspended reality, like just kind of like. Like just suspended, and there's not all the chaos happening, or the thinking happening, or the planning happening. It's just kind of like suspended and being, and I forget why I brought that up, but I, but that's just maybe something you said just reminded me of that,
1: Keith.
0: Mm. You mean um, absence of time as well? When you say suspended, is it does it feel like there's an absence of time or
2: maybe it's for me it's more absence of worry, concern, fear. Oh, time. you you had said brave. I think that's what mm. you had said. Yeah. But they all kind of happen at that at the same time. Um, when you like tap into that soul piece of you, that inner guide piece of you, everything else, the noise kind of quiet, all the other things kind of quiet. And I would say time alters for sure. Mm -hmm. Or at least you're not as concerned with time because time is related to like results, you know, like you got to finish something by this time or, you know?
1: Yeah. That's a very good point. (laughs) we're going in all sorts of
0: directions Mm
1: -hmm.
0: they're all interesting yeah they are interesting i like it (laughs) at least for me so um i read something that you wrote about making space to cry in your life and deal with Deal with emotions, um, dealing with depression, and they'll just going through emotional healing, which has been, you know, you've been pretty open about that being a process mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Can you talk about how you balance that with being a business owner and being productive? Yeah. yeah. And holding space or keeping space when clients are uh, pushing you to be available or maybe when you have a deadline
2: yeah my case I think is really interesting I don't get to talk about it often so I'll be really interested to hear what you or others think um sometimes I've wondered if I became an entrepreneur at least these last several years so that I could go through um what I've gone through like personally that deep inner excavation of myself um Working for myself has allowed me to make time for that and allowed me to make a priority, make that a priority that I think showing up at a regular job definitely would not. Um, how have I made time for that? When I first, so this is a whole separate story of like this la- this second, wave of like emotional integrated work emotionally integrated work that I've done. Um but when that kind of showed up for me, it showed up like it looked like a tsunami in the distance. That's what it looked like. Like I could tell that a depression was coming. Um and I
0: when when was this 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 was 2016?
2: I had just done my second Vipassana in august of 2016 i think yeah because it was the the election year right and everything with trump like we're now kind of used to it but it was shocking when it came out and it it was triggering there were i remember reading articles of women who had experienced trauma and abuse like they were voicing what this election was like for them um and it definitely was like that for me. Like, I, I was forced to confront things that I probably would never have confronted. Um,
0: so. A blessing for which you did not ask for. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. At least not in this lifetime, I didn't ask for it. Maybe before I got here, I asked for it. <laughs> but I don't remember asking for it in this body. But. Anyways. So I could see this coming and I had done Vipassana twice and what they teach you and what I had been learning is to be able to be with any emotion and any physical sensation that shows up, not change it, not do anything with it, just observe it and let it take its course. So when I saw this tsunami coming and I say saw, but it was like, you could feel it, you know, like when you feel like you're going to be upset about something, I could feel it coming. I decided to go into it, go under the wave, you know, instead of be thrashed around up top, I said, okay, I'm going to go under it and I'm going to be in it. And I lived inside a depression for two and a half years. And when you're, when you're in it, you don't know how long it will take. So I can say two and a half years, and it sounds finite right now. But at two years and three months, I didn't know that it would end three months later, or at least, you know, like it would significantly alter. Um, and during that time, I had just kind of started this business barely a, a couple Free recently, I'm getting my years just like a little mixed up. So I don't no exactly but it was still really new um and i remember telling god at the time i was starting to become more spiritual um and i remember saying okay you got to figure this out meaning finances and clients i said i will go through this this is my conversation with god i will go through this you figure out the rest like i will go through and learn whatever i need to learn but you got to figure everything else out And, um, it it's not easy. Not easy is like it was hell. I I don't believe we as a society have the right supports in place to really allow us to heal as a as a collective humanity. I'm a really strong and determined person, and it was really really hard for me i mean insanely hard insanely insanely hard so for anybody else who isn't as like dogmatic as i am i know why it's so difficult and i know why people are afraid because it is scary um there there were entire years <laughs> when um one thing i i started doing which i don't do now i now have enough um awareness and sense of self that I don't need to share all my emotions with people all the time. But there was, there were maybe six months, eight months where I just had to tell people like, Hey, I'm depressed right now. So like, imagine working with a new client and just saying like, Hey, I'm feeling depressed. Like, I, I just know this. And I did it, um, openly. I did it because I had no other choice. Like I it, I just had to share for whatever reason. Um and it was a really good litmus test. It ended up being because the people who I worked with were okay with that. Um
0: Did were there clients that weren't okay with that?
2: No. I don't think so. My business was still really young. Um And it was mostly word of mouth. And again, all my clients or majority of them, if they're not in some type of psychological, personal development, spiritual work themselves, they have done a lot of that on themselves as just as part of their own journey. So they're super empathetic. Um,
0: That's such a blessing.
2: I'm sure there's lots of people who are judging me and not even engaging with me because of that but they didn't come that close. Um, I did encounter other things with other people in my life, but in terms of the business, no. Um, And I have to say that God kept his promise to me. Like I made an agreement with him, like, I'll go through this. You take care of everything. And he kept sending just the right amount of people. And when I couldn't do the work myself, I hired out. So there were some weeks when I worked five hours a week, one hour a day. I'm not kidding. And I produced an online course for a client during that time. I got subject matter experts. I did the high level reviews and strategy meetings and I monitored people and I did whatever it took so that, you know, you put everything into however long you got mentally available that day. And then that's it. And then I just took care of myself the rest of the time. And I worked with a professional. That's one thing maybe I need to, I wish I should have said, you know, as soon as possible. Um, I obviously found professionals who were great at helping me navigate my emotions. And I saw, I still see one to, to this day. Um, I saw him. At, I don't know if I should say his name or not, but I saw him that for, knows
0: feel free. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Steve Flynn, the center for astonishing light here in Austin, Texas, the center for astonishing com. I built his website. (laughs) Amazing (laughs) fucking guy, amazing fucking guy in terms of the realm of emotions. And, um, I saw him for two and a half years, two hours a day, three to five, sometimes seven days a week. So when I say that we are not set up to support people going through, but revisiting past trauma and healing from it, like I really don't think we are.
1: Um, so it it did take a lot. Um, but when you're ready, you know, the
2: people and the teachers and the helpers show up and um, it, it, it it has built with the clients that I do have and that have stayed on. I've had a few that have stayed on for several years. Um, it has built unbreakable bonds between us, like my vulnerability and their vulnerability. And we know that we're both here, client and and master teacher, we're both here for the same thing.
1: Like we found our equal in each other. Um, And so. So has it
2: been challenging? Yes. Did I find a way to work around it? Yes. Did I find a way to pay my bills? Yes. Did I find other social services that could help me when I needed help, like financially help? Uh, Yes. Um, Do I feel more myself than I ever have? Do I feel like I stood up for myself? Yes, um do I feel like I'm genuine and authentic to who i am yes it, it ha it has made an incredible difference in the confidence you might hear in my voice now it made it it's made an incredible difference in uh, my emotional state <laughs> my happiness, my joy um there's other challenges we can talk about because it was not fucking easy um Really, really, really hard. Um, I'll share maybe one other thing.
0: Yeah, of course, please. Okay. Whatever you're willing to, yeah. to talk
2: about. So in the realm of making space for crying like that specifically, once I learned that through working with Steve Flynn, the professional, that that, that part of me, the part that needed to cry and that was wounded and hurt, um for various reasons once i learned that that part needed to be seen and felt and cared for anytime i felt upset and like i wanted to cry i stopped everything i was doing and i went and sat on the couch or got in bed or even cried on the floor and just let it i would hold myself in the shower I remember the first couple of times I did this, I, it was so foreign to me, but now it's like normal. I'll like kiss myself and be like, Oh, cuddle myself. And, um, it's so normal now I'll do it before bed. I'll do it when I wake up. I'll, uh, if I'm in like a tense situation, I'll like pat my thigh, you know, like you would pat a baby's butt or something. And just, I'll just talk to myself. Hey, you got this, you got this, um, stuff I never used to do, but I remember for months, I could be driving down the street on Old Tor, if I remember this, by the H-E-B where that you've been to, which is a grocery store for anyone who's not in <laughs> Texas. I'm driving down the street and I feel this urge to pull over. And so I, I'm, a, I'm a pro. You find a parking lot, you pull down a side street, and you just park. Because one, you should not be driving a vehicle if you're upset. Because you're going to attract chaos to you. Like chaos in the world, like an accident or something. Um, but two, you have a crying baby. That's you. So I would just sit and cry and take care of myself, and when you surrender, like that surrender piece I was talking about, when you surrender in the moment to what you're really feeling, and really give yourself full room to feel all of it, not like, "Okay, you got five minutes before the next meeting." No, I would cancel meetings if I had to. Hey, sorry, got to cancel it. I'll be right back to you. Always be responsible about it. But I would, I, I became unafraid of canceling for self-care. Um, and then I would give myself as much as I needed. And usually it, it would resolve quickly. You know, the first couple of times you have so much grief, you kind of have to just sit with it. And that's why this stuff can take a while because it it all has to come up. Um, but, but now it, it's not as long, the, the down and the dip isn't as long, but I still give it as much attention as I can. I would, I would think to myself, this grief has been suppressed for 20 plus years. It just made it to the surface. I'm not going to be the one that's suppressing it again. Like you just got here. I'm going to let you come up. That was like my mentality and I treated it like that. So I don't know. I'm so curious. I want to know how other people have (laughs) dealt with it. Cause this is something that friends have been understanding about. Like you're obviously really understanding. Otherwise we couldn't like chat about it, but I don't know anyone else who has done it the way that I've done it. And I'm, I'm like dying to know (laughs) what
0: other people do. (laughs) Um, but how how long did it take when you when you first started surrendering to all the emotions that were bottled up? How long did it take before, um they really, um, really started coming, coming up, f- coming forth? Yeah, coming up.
1: They were they were coming
2: up by the time I sought help, okay. so okay. I could tell it was coming and um yeah i i remember having insomnia for a uh, several weeks if not months um not every night but enough that it was really upsetting and um someone who i was with at the time knew oh, he didn't know everything but he knew enough um and he was the one who referenced me to steve and that was already that was like march of maybe 2017 by that time because the election was 2016 and i went to visit a counselor at a lo- at a local um like shelter for abused women i november 9th 2016 the day after the morning after the election at 9am was my first day with a with a counselor
0: were there other people at the shelter there in your when i went there because of the election instead of curiosity
2: um well one i just want to mention that i was outpatient so i wasn't living there but they had outpatient counseling um I didn't see a whole lot of other people, but my counselor, my intake counselor that I met with, she said, you're the reason I got out of bed this morning because I saw the results of the election and I knew that there would be someone here who needed me. And I, and I kind of said the same thing, Mm -hmm. but from my stance, like this was so shocking and It's not a coincidence that today's the day that I'm going in (laughs) to
1: see you. Yeah. (laughs) But, Um, but,
2: but a lot of women have mentioned that maybe not as explicitly as I have, but since that, um, anytime I share about my journey through 2016 and how this all started, people are like, Oh yeah, of course. hmm. like it it makes sense for a lot of people that that would be a triggering experience. Um mm. a triggering year. That was before me too. The Me Too era. That was like a year before Me Too, I think. Right?
0: Yeah, I don't I'm not sure when that uh, came up.
2: Yeah. Um
0: back At least I to think
1: So I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> anyways.
0: Um yeah, it's only been since, to answer your indirect question. Um, I guess I, in the last maybe year to year and a half, I've started being more patient with myself. Actually, less than a year now that I think about it, because at this time last year, I was working obscene hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd wake up at 5 a.m. and do burpees and work for two and a half hours, and then like go run stairs and go to the gym, and I was beating the crap out of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the past year, I've been just becoming more patient and more accepting. Um, and since uh since arriving in Austin. I've been much, much more intentional about this my emotional state right now. It's more because because I've been ignoring it for so long. Yeah. This right now is more important than doing
1: a yes. project
0: for a client. Yes. Or whatever. Like oh, we were gonna do something Friday. Yeah. And I canceled. Yeah. And that. I
2: canceled too on my friend. Yeah. It was his show.
0: Yeah. And
2: it's, it becomes, the practice becomes life altering. Like, mm-hmm. I I don't know if I'm and it's, have I done eight hour, 12 hour days? Yeah. But when it was actually warranted and when I felt the momentum and the energy and the fire inside, it wasn't, it's not anything I put try to force myself into mm-hmm. anymore and in fact what's so interesting about this line of work and that I do now I think because it's like divinely inspired when I'm not aligned I can't do it like my writing is shit like everyone else's. when I'm not <laughs> aligned thankfully it I'm really good at, especially with writing to like get in tune mm-hmm. um but I have been pressured or been in working relationships where they just wanted me to deliver and it was crap work and it frustrated me and it took six times as long. And so it becomes a preferred way of life after a while. And I'm so happy to hear you. It's also, you know, Austin's an easygoing Type place compared to <laughs> well, most big cities.
0: None of none of my clients are in Austin, oh. <laughs> but I, yeah, thankfully for, I do wonder, like you said earlier, if subconsciously I didn't devise this life to give myself more space at first, of course it was for travel, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah to have the absolute privilege to be able to structure my days how i want them is mm-hmm. just i don't i don't know what i would do without it
1: yeah um
0: but speaking to what you just said as well with being misaligned or however mm-hmm. you want to say um my day job has become as i've <laughs> hopefully none of my clients listen to this <laughs> uh as i've become more in tune with what i actually want um it's really really hard to do my day job yeah and but on the flip side of that if i am if i sit down I follow that voice and I sit down and do research for this podcast, mm-hmm. or if mm-hmm. I write about something that was From the is, soul. yeah, super important that I find super interesting, I'll just lose myself yeah. for four hours yeah. and then wake up at Radio Coffee at midnight realizing that they're closing. Um, yeah, And it's amazing. absolutely amazing i don't know that i felt that a little bit in university when i was first getting into animation but um i don't know if it was like this Uh, if if it was it's it's been way too long since i experienced flow like that yeah um so but also rewinding back to the emotional first aid daily first aid as well that it is true that um it feels indulgent at first to just allow allow yourself
2: you feel guilty
0: oh yeah definitely but it's not um (laughs) i lost the word (laughs) it is pragmatic it ends up being very pragmatic because at least so far um the emotions do pass in a shorter period of time than you would think and amazingly there's more energy on the other side of that yeah when you're not pushing down all of this energy in your body and mind yes Um,
2: you're lighter and uh, with the release of the more negative emotions, or the, the recognition or mm-hmm. acknowledgement of those emotions. But equally, if you don't, if we don't learn to follow and observe and recognize the negative things or the things that make us feel uncomfortable, that same sharpening, t- tuning fork, that same thing that, uh, that notices those negative emotions is the same thing that tells us when we're feeling joy. So Mm -hmm. that same thing that I became very aware of that would tell me when I was sad, it's the same knowing system that tells me, oh, go follow this. And that's how you get into flow. By stopping here at this store or like going and grabbing a sandwich here because you feel like it and it would make you fucking happy to do that. And then when you're there, you have another idea that makes you even happier. And then you get it and you start working on this project and a whole uh, blog post series for six months gets mapped out in an hour. Like, so they are two sides of the same stick. And um, I think if you want to find out... What you're really here for and how you really feel, you have to be willing to explore all of it. Yeah. Or I mean you don't have to, but that's the invitation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> As you were saying that, it, I think it was Mark Manson that uh he's the author of Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Uh-huh. Um I think it was him that wrote about that it's Impossible to numb just the bad emotions. Yeah, when you when you numb, you cut when off you, the top and the yeah, bottom. Yeah, yeah, it's indiscriminate. Yeah, numbing or depression or whatever you're yeah. using to cope with the pain, it also cuts off the joy.
2: Yeah, um, and the and your attunement to joy is going to point you in the direction of your purpose uh-huh. and your passion and the flow. So, you want to get attuned to what makes you joyful. And that means getting attuned to everything. Because when you, because imagine you get so attuned that you just feel an inkling and you stop going down that path instead of waiting for the bang on the forehead that so many of us wait until we get the fucking flu. Mm -hmm. But now you, uh, you, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I am way more attuned now. So I have these like odd feelings and I say, oh, okay, I'm going to pause here. I'm going to stop this. Stop going down this path. I'm going to quit making decisions down this path. And I'm just going to pause, let it sit there. I'll make a decision at another time. Um, Which then frees you up from all that grief. And the whole realm of joy is now open and you're more free to go in that direction. Does that make sense? Like when you're not consumed by bad choices and cleaning up after that and going down the wrong path and forcing yourself to do work you don't want to do. When you quit saying no, like quit going down that path. Mm -hmm. And the sooner you can do that, the more attuned you are to those subtle little hints of like, Ooh, I didn't like that way the person talked to me or, or, it sounds good on paper, but there's something weird about mm-hmm. that. All those little, little, little hints before you sign the contract.
0: I've definitely been guilty of that. It's, well, two times that come to mind, but definitely more than that, more than <laughs> that where there that little voice says, this isn't a good fit. I know. Don't do it. But I'm staring at no income. Mm-hmm. for 30 to 60 days and going. I want to have a place to live next month, so I better sign the damn contract and then it turns out more pain. twice, twice now. Um I sign the contract, the client relationship starts to go bad, and then a huge contract comes in that is within my wheelhouse, a perfect fit and, a, and fantastic opportunity and I have to kill myself to try to do both. Yeah. At once, yeah. because I didn't have faith. I guess. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
2: We all deal with that. It's never ending. It's moment by moment.
0: Yeah. Though, to offset that, there was there was an instance when I did have a bad feeling, and I'm glad I took it because oh. I did make I made a decent amount of money. Um. The client relationship did go bad, as I anticipated. Um, but I handled it really well. I stood up for myself. Oh good. And um and I wouldn't I I w- I wouldn't have yeah. been able to make rent. I wouldn't have been able to buy groceries or anything without that you that know client. of. Yeah. Because nothing else came in. Yeah. Um so yeah, well, life's an adventure. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So, speaking to what I was just talking about breaking up with with clients, can you share some of your own experiences along those lines of sharing your needs with clients and um dealing with it emotionally if the relationship does through that conversation if the relationship does go bad. Um how do you deal with the emotional aftermath of that?
1: yeah,
2: in terms of um, what what you had asked about like what what has been some of the emotional fallout or impact, man, I'm not good. I'm not good at confrontation. I'm a great writer, so anything that needs to be said in writing, that's how I organize my thoughts, but I just don't have a strong history of having strong and pointed conversations with people. I can start out strong. And this happens in personal relationships and with clients. I can start out strong and then I feel like I get swayed or like bowled over by other people's energy. And I end up doubting whatever I thought I knew. And it, I've learned enough to know that that's not right um when i when that starts to happen, I know it, the only tool I have right now is to get out of the situation mm-hmm. like I just get out of the conversation um
0: you mean do you mean permanently or just to step back and get space and then re-enter e-
2: either whatever I feel I can do at that time um but I think they're and this is more like a personality thing and it could apply to business or or personal relationships i think there's some people that just honestly don't respect others and their opinions and so they just bowl over other people's opinions and and i'm not very good at being strong in the face of that. Like I can spot it now, which is great. That's a new win, but to spot it and still be bowled over sucks ass. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to, I don't want that to happen to myself anymore. So that's something I'm still working on. Um. It, it includes kind of listening to that inner guide from the beginning. Um. Mm-hmm. But kind of like you, my, you mentioned like we don't always know why we get into different arrangements or relationships with people, and we're always, I'm always learning a lesson from one thing or another, and I'm always growing. Um, that's one thing I try and communicate up front with clients and any other kind of relationship is like, hey, I'm a grower. I'm always looking at myself. So we got to have communication and we got to treat each other like people. Mm -hmm. And when that's not happening is usually when relationships go sour. And I guess I'm saying I'm, I'm still working through that part. I want it to be smoother, more clean. It feels like a little jaggedy to me Mm -hmm. the way some dysfunctional relationships are are sorting themselves out. It's kind of an odd answer to your question, <laughs>
1: but
0: i a thought about what you just yeah, said yeah, yeah. um I found that <clears throat> the more I grow, the more I don't need to meet or I don't need to meet that person's energy yes um, because uh, <clears throat> see this is this is why i train jujitsu every day because it oh. teaches it teaches you all about life as well um Signing up with a client who is a two hundred fifty pound heavyweight and punches their way through everything—it's yes. not my responsibility and it's not my strength to meet their strength and and stop them somehow. It's
2: unless they're punching um, you, well, and if they're punching you, like at least for me, and I don't know, yes, maybe it's I, like a female thing, but I want to be strong enough to say, "You better fucking stop, stop that."
0: You need, you need to be able to, um, you need to have the skills to
2: energetic skills. Um,
0: yeah. In the, in the case of relationships, I'm thinking if I, if I roll, even if I'm a black belt and the 250 pounder is a white belt, well, of course the black belt's going to take them out. But the point is. I'm a hundred pound black belt and a two hundred fifty pound white belt. The two hundred fifty pound white belt is still going to have the upper hand, and it's the skills are going to keep you safe and going to allow you to maneuver that yes. safely and get out. But trying to beat them down or stop yes. them or, or meet their force with your own force is just a waste, and it's. Yes. Um in a way it's it's trying to be everything it's trying it's it's expecting you in a narcissistic way it's expecting yourself to to be all powerful and to be able to have um to be able to do anything yeah um and not have specific strengths
2: yeah um yeah I get that for sure. There's a, a, like a unique stamp to each of us mm-hmm. and to not try and turn into somebody else or sink down to their level or anything like that. Um, at the same time, I think, at least for me, there have been aspects of my own personality that have been so underdeveloped that I kind of want them to at least be at a baseline, you know, and I think oh but yeah, that's that's what definitely I'm, true. <laughs> that's what I'm maybe referring to first and foremost, but I love your the way you explained it. Um, that's one of the beautiful things about all the different stuff that I've learned, um especially things like meditation. And energy work, like running my own energy and being clear on who I am. And we're not going to do it this way. And I understand that I can see that that's what you want to do, but we're not going to do this this way. But saying that, I still think you need like some kind of force and energy, or else people don't listen. And maybe it's a female thing.
0: But, no, but I know. No, it's not.
2: Like you can say it pol- politely, but with a force to it that will not be messed with and I will not be distracted by your chaos or whatever you're going to throw. Um, but you Mm -hmm. need to know it's not happening, you know, like something a little firm.
0: I would, the word I would use is, is confidence and resolve. Yeah. Like that, the fact that you know yourself and know exactly what you want in making statements and, negotiating with the client and everything. That's they they'll pick that up. It doesn't have to be forceful. Yes. But um they they can tell yes if they can push you around or not. Yes. Or if you're unsure. Yes. A little bit. Or trying to you know feel it out or whatever. Yes. Um
1: that's so true.
2: And that's something I've worked on and it's really important for me to continue to work on it because I have been pushed around and i'm at a point now where it's up to me if i get pushed around anymore you know like so i have to be the one in charge of me getting not not getting pushed around
1: Mm -hmm.
2: so have you have interesting
0: (laughs) i I love these kinds of (laughs) conversations yeah uh have you ever going into a negotiation with a client like a knowing that this one phone call is going to determine your income or stuff for the next however long month. Uh have you ever canceled a, a phone call because you're not in the right headspace to um to meet the, the client?
2: Well, see so yeah, I those are like two I kinda wanna dissect that question a little bit. But so One question, I'll reframe it. Have I ever canceled a really important phone call, timely phone call, because I was not in the right headspace? Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're you're not in the right headspace and this is the only time that person can talk, then this isn't the right deal to be happening. I've had several like that, especially within the last several years. Um, Even today, I didn't sleep last night. And I had a couple wow. meetings and not all, none of them were like life or death meetings. Um, but this morning I just, I said, Hey, sorry, I didn't sleep last night. I'm feeling kind of nuts. I, mm-hmm. You know, I got to take care of myself this morning and um, it's up to them where they, whether they want to be understanding or not. I mean, I I can't handle that. I can't control that, but especially when I'm meeting someone new or if it's like an important call where I want to have my executive functioning brain. Um, I don't let myself even get on a call if I don't have that, unless I know the person, if it's an existing client, I can just tell them like, Hey, I'm fucked up, but let's just go through the basics and I'll, we'll get through it and we'll reschedule whatever else. But with a new person, I don't do that. Um, But the first part of your question is, (laughs) have I ever been with somebody like been like had someone that was going to determine all my income for the rest of the month? Like one, I don't let myself believe that no one person is going to determine my income and I can't let myself believe that. Otherwise, I couldn't get off a call when I was fucked up. If I thought that was the one, you know, like what, what I just said about taking care of myself, I wouldn't be able to do that if I believed that this phone call had to happen and or else it was going to determine the rest of my income. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've learned in my years of being an entrepreneur that money comes in a lot of different ways. I sold my forerunner and got myself three months of, of income. I didn't know I was going to do that. I didn't even know I could get that much money out of my forerunner. I didn't know that there was that much money in it. But being willing to go down that path of trusting that inner guide, um, a solution showed itself that I couldn't have predicted. My thinking mind couldn't have figured that out. If, you know, three months prior, it wouldn't have come up with that. Um, so money comes in lots of different ways. There is no one perfect anything. I know that I have many skills and I can make I can make money in lots of different ways. Um, I know that I have a strong support system that if anything were to happen, I could rely on them in an emergency and they believe in me, maybe even more than I believe in myself sometimes. So they confidently would be willing to loan me or take care of me or whatever. Um, so I think the the premise of the question itself is risky and I wouldn't, that's where you get codependent relationships. That's why people stay in bad relationships because they think there isn't anyone else the same in business. Like you can't, you can't let yourself think that. And it's not um, true. There's <laughs> lots of people out there.
0: Well, it's, it's up to the jury <laughs> whether or not, um That's true or not in my business, but um I also, what I was
2: Well, I also know how to rally. If I really need to, I can rally if it really mm-hmm. is like a high profile thing that I really want to do, something that's aligned mean, and
0: Rally your yourself. Yeah, right. And
2: I think everyone right. can do that, but you have to know. Am I rallying because I want to, or is it out of fear? Am I forcing myself out of fear? Mm-hmm. Those are two kind of different things.
0: That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: what were you thinking when you asked the
0: question? Because that's, that's my, that's the, the nature of my projects that um, they take about, between seventy-five and a hundred hours to do. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some have even gone gone over two hundred hours. And so the wow. the phone call where we discuss price. Um if I if I'm in a bad headspace and I chicken out and ask for a low, yeah. If I bid low, that I'm fucking my whole month yeah. on that one phone call. Yeah. Um, so I was curious of what your experience, that's,
2: that's why I, that's why I don't get on calls when I need to perform because I don't have that grounded, centered, soul guiding thing. I lose, it's like having that beacon turned off inside that powerful person. And I don't, I, I don't make decisions the same way that I normally do. And I will fuck myself over. I'll say yes to things that I really shouldn't be saying yes to, or I'll say no to things for weird reasons. Cause I can't see, I'm trying to think my way through a solution instead of feeling like, Oh, this feels right. So I don't, I've learned to, to as much as I can try and give myself breathing room for stuff like that. And most of the time people are understanding. at least to my face <laughs> <laughs> and if they're not, I mean,
0: yeah, there are keep, better things to worry about,
2: yeah, hmm. it takes a long time to get there, though, so I can understand why people might be worried about stuff like
1: that. Um, this is years of yeah experience
0: it's that's wise, though. To, and it goes along with what we were talking about earlier of working with your emotions instead of clamping down on them mm-hmm. and expecting them to mm-hmm. perform when when they're quote air quotes supposed yes. to. Yes, um, that's part of the the healing process is allowing yes. them to have a say. Finally,
2: yes, I actually have something like this in a like a contract or agreement when I first take on a new client, I explain how I work. And um, I think it says like goals and timelines are great, but flow is even better. And mm. I, oh, I, like I, them. I line out, I line out or delineate, like I explain that I've learned sometimes when me and a client even we're trying to get something done and it's like, you know, it's not quite fitting. I've learned that if you let it breathe uh, sometimes what you think you wanted to accomplish like there's actually a better way to do it or we shouldn't have been doing it in the first place so
0: it's called creativity
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah or yeah it's all it's all the same conversation i feel like we're having just showing like different the way it shows up in different examples mm -hmm. with people um and so i kind of going back to working with clients, I try and set that expectation up front that that's how I work. So if we're like, if it starts to feel, you know, that like scratchy forced, mm-hmm. like frictiony type thing, like most of them are already on board with easing up on things, but.
0: I haven't put that in a contract yet, but, um, cause I, <sighs> For one thing, I work with engineers yeah. and uh, project managers, like and so yeah. it'd be look look at me like I had two heads. Yeah. But um, but I have gotten good at because I I can sense when somebody is like has a hitch and is pulling back, um, and I'll just label it and ask up yeah. front. Oh, good. Um and then it does, it's amazing because they suddenly feel super comfortable and understood, which book plug, um, never split the difference, uh-huh. uh, is a fantastic negotiating technique, um, for anything, but they feel, they feel understood. They feel seen. And then it gives us the, usually it brings up a super important piece of the project that they're, maybe hesitant to talk about. And then now we can discuss a big, deep issue that changes yeah. everything. Yeah. Um,
1: You can come
2: so, to a better solution.
0: Yeah. And I can't remember any specifics, but I'm fairly certain at one point that actually made me a bunch of money too, Because the project ended up being much, much bigger. bigger yes. Yeah. I think it was, Maybe a year ago or so, that you had written about that you experienced some physical abuse as a kid from an adult in your life. And after you wrote about this, other people spoke up to defend this adult and essentially said that your experience and your story wasn't valid. Uh, Can you talk about? How you maintain the attachment to your personal experience and your sense of truth.
1: Wow. Yeah,
2: well, first I'll say it was really hard. So just to give some context, about a year ago was when I started to get pushback from people. But I had been sharing my story for about a year before that. So what's interesting. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm the caretaker of this person inside. And I, I wanted to let myself share what I wanted to share. That was definitely like one of those soul guiding moments, all those times that I shared some of my story. Um, so we talked about like being brave or like not knowing where things were going to go. The, every time I shared a piece of what I was going through, um, felt like that, like, I don't know why, but I have to share this. And I checked in with myself and I would share it. Um, and then after about a year, I started to get pushback from people and they, and I just, I don't know, I kind of want to share some context. Like these were not people I was close to, um maybe biologically related to but they never checked in on me they never asked to like have a phone call with me or anything during this entire time and then all of a sudden publicly they to me felt like shaming w- what I was saying and criticizing me for speaking out um and your question is how did i maintain my sense of self it was shocking it was completely shocking to me a shock to the system to get negative feedback about something that was so obviously wrong it's like it's like blaming the victim it's all of that everything that we learn and have learned especially since I know you're not like too familiar with the me too era but we're kind of in this era where we listen and believe survivors um and we do that because it's so fucking hard to even admit that we've been victims in the first place like so much of, so many of us are in denial so we're in denial that something bad has happened you know and i think that's a coping mechanism anyways tired entire tangent a good coping mechanism it allows us to stay alive um psychologically and not break completely. Um, but your question is, how did I, how did yeah, I,
0: I'll say it again. Um, how did you maintain the attachment to your personal truth, the, the truth, according to your experience?
2: I, uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest. There were times when I didn't. It caused me to doubt to get such serious pushback from people, caused me to doubt whether I was doing the right thing or the wrong thing, whether what I experienced was real or not. And the interesting thing is that any kind of pushback, whether or minimizing of pain that we do in our families normally or we'll do in relationships normally, like, oh, that's not that bad. Get over it fuck up. Like quit your crying. But you're so sensitive or whatever. Whatever that is. That's the same kind of pushback. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's all the same kind of criticism. And what that So, so to answer your question, it took time. It took working with someone. It took checking in with myself. It took months. Um I'm still not on speaking terms with that person, like for someone to do that. uh, And it's I reached out to them. They have not reached out to me. They've tried reaching out through other family members. And I have been supportive and said, hey, it's so great that you're reaching out through so and so. But, you know, here's my email. Let's talk you and me directly. And there has been no
1: communication. So it's not entirely just me shutting them out. How did I, it's just a process like every other
2: thing, every other relationship, Um, it's been long coming and it's still, it's still a, it's still an area where I I don't want to say I'm weak, but I'm vulnerable to doubt my experience. I'm very susceptible to doubting what I feel and what I think is happening
1: um, because that is the pattern that I used to survive, which was, Hey, something's
2: wrong here. Oh, wait, no, it isn't. This is okay. Like, like I just kind of had to make things okay to be able to stay, not to be able to stay because I had to stay. There was no other option. You have to make
1: those realities. Okay. Um,
0: Do you think there's any other place for the um, buck up, buttercup attitude, for lack of a a better word, of you uh, get over it, move on? We have, you know, you have to move on. Yeah. Is there a place for that besides just survival?
1: Yes. I do think.
2: You know, as much as um, I'll speak for myself, but I think we all kind of have these components to ourselves. But for me, as much as there is someone who is a real victim that really experienced damaging experiences and did not ask for them or deserve them or even process them, there is also a side inside me that. Might take the easy way out and play a victim, not in the same situation, different situations, different circumstances, but we all kind of have that whiny person inside of us that doesn't want to do the brave thing or the courageous thing or that follow your heart thing. So these are two really different parts of me. They don't operate in the same examples or parts of my life, really different. Um, but I the same way I've learned to soothe the part that's actually hurt and was never seen and heard I've also learned to raise the part that's a child and should not be making the decision for me whether I should mm-hmm. go out and be public or go out and be bold or go out and stand up for myself like I've I've had to learn sorry sweetie you don't get to make the decision today And you're right here with me. I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to hold on to you. But, you know, I'm making this decision. And yes, we are going to go speak on stage. Or yes, we are going to go approach this person. Or yes, we are going to ask for that, you know, a higher amount than what we're used to. Or yes, we are going to say no. You know, so does that answer?
0: Yeah, that's I don't know that I've ever heard anyone make that distinction before. because. I think, well, a lot of this, the healing work gets painted with the same brush as that. And people discount it because they assume it's playing victim to Mm -hmm. your own emotions. Mm -hmm. It's... I'm still learning to to pick that apart and parse it out for myself, yeah. definitely. But that's, yeah. Thanks for making that distinction. Yeah, that's w- super important.
2: I would say, um, I would say a lot of the personal growth, entrepreneurial person growth arena relies too heavily on the buck up, push through, oh, power through. <laughs>
0: That's why this podcast is what it is. Is because of that.
2: They rely way too heavily on that and they misapply it in situations. Um, Like I'm, I'm dealing with a service provider right now. Um, I've been, I've just dealt with some severe health issues in the last couple weeks, like not sleeping. It's impacted every area of my life. Um, and so an agreement i made a couple of weeks ago i want to get out of that agreement like i signed up for something and and it's it's just not it it wouldn't be right for my well-being to continue and i keep getting these messages from this service provider and they're in the personal growth space and they clearly have not done any of the other side of the healing work cuz they just say oh you look so perfect on on facebook or you look so You look like you're ready for anything. You know how to to power through. Anyone who wants to to make amazing results needs to know how to do that. And I said, yes, I know how to do that. And um, because I know how to do that, you must believe me when I say that now's not the time to do that. And I think a lot of people, I don't know this for a fact, but the same um, reputation that you say about the healing world being, um, maybe playing into victim too much. I don't know what the numbers are, but I also have kind of experienced that reputation myself. It just, it's just kind of in the air. Um, and I think one, I think people tend to only use one mode or the other. They stay in the personal development world or they stay in the healing world. Um, or or and um they'll go into the healing world but only take away the the pain and they don't go far enough because the real heal like the real healing i'm doing like with steve um that covers all aspects that's where i've learned this whole spectrum um you're raising a child my child i'm raising myself and you you go through everything with that person with that with myself I'm going through every I'm combing through every aspect of myself not just the wounded parts the parts that are that were left a little young and need some some raising too um I don't know I'd be really curious if other listeners have done work like that because I have not met anyone outside of Steve who um who have been working with that is that extensive and thorough Um, and like I mentioned, I've also done a lot of the personal growth stuff too. So it, it helps to have lots of
0: tools. (laughs) With that absolutely perfect segue (laughs) that you just gave me, um, (laughs) can you, can you talk about some of the types of therapy and and healing modalities and personal development and just all of that that you've used over the years on this, this journey.
2: Yeah, I can. And you showed me the questions like, (laughs) or I saw them 10 minutes before we started and I knew this one, I made a list because it and I didn't realize it has been so many, but I could maybe look at like about fifteen different things right here spanning from all kinds of different programs and i and I would just encourage people before I even start like I'm sharing these because i I want you to know what's out there. I want to normalize a lot of this and, and, um, some of it's way out there. At least it was for me before I started using some of them. Um, and I want to normalize some of this. Um, I want, I want people, um, to look at me and people make all kinds of judgments about everyone, but I know people tend to think I have it all together. They think, um, I like to say I like to dress like J. Crew style. Like I tend to be really preppy and simple, and um, people make a lot of judgments about that, and that I might not be into what I'm into. And so I'm sharing this to help. Like if you feel an inkling for something, um, go and do it. And just because I did it doesn't mean it's the right thing for you. Um, I think there's right tools and teachers and techniques for us at different times. So the best thing you can do if you're wanting to know what's next for you um is to feel into that inner guide if you can. Um and sometimes you might not even have a reason, but you're like I got to go try this. So I just wanted to say that first cuz a lot of times I think people say like oh I got to do what they did or this is the answer and this is the path and this is the right way and
0: um kind of goes isn't excuse me uh kind of goes back to the very beginning of our conversation talking about living in a space of the unknown and questioning so much so many problems happen from falling into a fundamentalist or legalistic
2: Dogmatic
0: path dogmatic path when it yeah. comes to finding a path and something to believe in
2: yeah well and, and as you go along, you'll start to get mastery and insight into your own self am i is this is this opportunity that's presented before me really not for me or am I scared? like you'll start to get? because that's another aspect too um it's not one or the other all the time um let me share from my list of like things (laughs) um and pause me if you want to know one thing or another thing okay so the first thing i ever well besides books i've always read self-help books um the four agreements or uh, that's Mm. Don Miguel Ruiz.
0: I have a copy of that on my shelf that I haven't touched. Yeah.
2: There's, I was always into stuff like that. And I was very into church when I was younger too. I remember being able to see God everywhere, like in the ray of sunlight. I just remember being like so sparkly, at least on the inside. Um, and then you get older and, kinds of things happen and you're like oh this the world how could how could god exist in this world and i went on my own kind of path but the first like seminar or course i took was um it's called the landmark forum many people have taken it millions of people all over the world um one of the more maybe well-known courses it actually was one of the Initial personal development courses in the 70s. It was like revolutionary and groundbreaking. Like it kind of opened the door for a lot of the things that you see today. A lot of principles that are now part of common culture started with those seminars that started in the 70s. Really kind of interesting.
0: It was called the landmark forum, you said the, the
2: landmark forum was okay. the first. Yeah, that was it's like a three and a half day seminar. Um and I did their entire curriculum. It was, I was not spiritual or religious at the time. And I think it was a really great training ground for my mind to learn how to observe my thoughts, you know, like not spiritual, not emotional, just like managing my thoughts and getting mastery over and observing how much my thoughts got in the way.
0: Is that related to mindfulness meditation at all
2: i w- would not i would put it more in the realm of like entrepreneurial like like powering through pushing through finding that other level i mean not quite but i would put it more in that category than mindfulness um mindfulness or at least meditations is, is the kinds that i study are more observational oh. um, getting in tune energetically with like a higher being like way in the realm of spirituality or more Mm. along that line of spirituality um but i did it like every course at landmark i was just like crazy about it i just ate up everything i didn't know there were people in the world that wanted to grow and learn as much as i did you know like school was one outlet for me but about yourself. And about people, uh, I had never like it was mind blowing. Um,
0: Did remind me again what you got your degree in in school?
2: Political science. Okay. Public administration.
0: That sounds so boring.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think about the Declaration of Independence, that was a revolutionary act that all men are created equal, like that spirit of declaring a beautiful world a better world than we know now and growing and evolving into that which we have over the years we're not perfect but each generation takes that to another level that's the same spirit that i bring now bringing heaven on earth so it's very like that idealism is what attracted me to government work and serving people that's what i want that's what i wanted to do is just serve people firefighters policemen teachers they're all public servants Mm
1: -hmm. so but let's see so after that i got into i had a personal
2: coach for two years i mean and if you think about it like i poured money into myself every course was a couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars, which you might have a friend group that thinks that's insane. You know, they'll go out and every weekend and spend a hundred, two hundred bucks on drinks or clothes or whatever, but to spend money like on a personal development seminar, like I was the weird one in all my friend groups. And I had boyfriends who were like, are you serious? I I, my first uh, personal coach that I bought just for me, it was like $5,000 for the year. It's like, that's like crazy to people, but that's nothing to me now. I don't know. I'm just mentioning it because these were all like hurdles or things I had to deal with.
0: Absolutely. We didn't, we didn't touch on it. Maybe maybe this is worthy of its own bunny trail, but the one of the biggest hurdles um throughout the whole process of of healing and um growing is oh, I shouldn't do that because it's selfish. I shouldn't oh. I shouldn't buy this because it's you know it's selfish or I shouldn't shouldn't move away because it's selfish or um shouldn't put myself first. That's selfish. So I can definitely understand where people are coming from when it it sounds crazy indulgent, so, or indulgent something. to spend yeah. that much money on personal development.
1: But
2: no one else is going to, and no, no. one else is going to do the work for me to get better or to live a happier life. So it's up to me <laughs> if I
1: want to.
0: Uh, a quote that I keep on coming back to is the, the, I'm not going to be able to get it right, but the, the greatest gift that you can give to your family and to the world is to be the most pure, the the purest and best representation of yourself that you can be. Because if you stop and think about it for a minute, we are the only people that we can truly change.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Your life is one hundred percent in your control, whether you want to admit that or not, as a separate conversation. But, um,
2: and there's, and I would add in that there's challenges that each of us face. When you say like a hundred percent in in control, like there are different challenges that we all face, and privileges that we're born with, and circumstances that we face, um.
0: That was, yeah, that was poor wording. (laughs) It was, um, your life is 100% your responsibility Yeah, is a better way of putting it.
1: Um, at
2: this stage, as an adult, mm -hmm. maybe not as a child, but as an adult, you could, you could take on that. I am responsible for my life. And if something is not working, then it's up to me to dive in and sort it out or get
1: help. And. Get mm-hmm. what I need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Um, continue. <laughs> sorry, continue with your <laughs> with your list.
1: <laughs> um
2: so somewhere in there I started doing I had okay, so I had that personal coach. I worked with him daily for two years personal and business coach, a life coach is what I, I worked with him daily for two years. Um, I'm just like a crazy voracious consumer of, of this stuff. Like it just kind of blows my mind. Like I don't know other people who do like, even people who get coaches don't, they, they do it like once a week, you know, like you don't do it the way that I do it. <laughs> um, oh yeah. So it, following on the same theme I started doing yoga um I did it for 30 days straight and then I liked it so much I did it for 90 days straight like immediately after that what
0: does that what does that mean like an hour a day or yeah
2: like every morning
0: okay a personal
2: I went to a class I took a class every morning and I felt so good every day obviously so I kept I kept doing mm-hmm. it. I tried doing it again, that same challenge, and I didn't get, I didn't make it this time. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: the, I think the energy for those things comes at the right At the right time, time. for sure. What, was it a specific type of yoga? Uh,
2: no, it was the class that was closest to my house. <laughs> <laughs> so I could wake yeah. up in the morning and just roll out of bed and get there within 10 minutes. That I knew that was the criteria I needed to be able to show up every day. Was it needed mm-hmm. to be close to my bedroom?
0: That's <laughs> a seriously underrated. <laughs> Quality, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. That's my. I got so so lucky, but my jujitsu um, gym or dojo or whatever you want to call it is mm-hmm. less than a ten minute drive. Yeah, from my house, and so I I can go five or six days a week and it's not the bar is low enough that i'll actually go
1: yes
2: i'm all about making it easy yeah
0: instead of having to face the traffic which i know if i had to face worse traffic than that i wouldn't go
1: yeah yeah yeah. anyway (laughs) so after yoga around that time
2: was when my coach had suggested Vipassana meditation. So I did the first one winter, winter time. I remember it was October and it was already 40 degrees in Wisconsin. Oh. It was cold. It was really cold. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like winter for me. 40 degrees is like winter for me.
0: You're lucky it wasn't any later than October. I know. Because I know. Menominee gets... Really, really cold.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I did that. That.
0: Can you um? Can you talk more about the specifics of what the what vipassana meditation is and um what the ten days looks like? Yeah, and your experience. This
2: might be interesting. I have I wrote a blog post on my experience, which maybe we could link to in the show notes.
0: Yeah, it, definitely. It
2: outlines the entire history of Vipassana and then my personal experience of being there. Um, but this is the type of meditation that Gautama Buddha, the guy that w- we think of when we say Buddha, um, he discovered this style of meditation, and this style um, is what caused him to become enlightened. So it's a very special, specific. Style of meditation, it's not uh, very mind based it's very body sensory based um and you observe sensation on the body and you move along um observing and feeling every sensation and you start very big like gross sensation, so you might feel like a wind on your face or something, and over time um two things happen. Sometimes you'll have really good sensations, like a tingly, buzzy sensation, and you must also move even when you have a buzzy sensation. So you cannot become attached to having a good sensation. You cannot start craving, "Oh, I but I want that buzzy sensation to come back. Please come back. Please come back." That's suffering. And when you have a painful sensation because you're sitting still for hours or you have an ache or a back ache or something, You also cannot stay so you feel the pain you have to move and you have to feel sensation on another part of your body so even when something is screaming in your ear look at me look at feel me feel me feel me you must go to a completely other part of your body because you continue moving um and that is i forget what the what the term was but that's the opposite um craving that we have which is denial or resistance or i don't want this to be there you know the, mm-hmm. there's a craving of good things and then um a resistance against bad sensations and so this meditation one brings up all the physical sensations that we've been ignoring and it brings them and sharpens them um your ability to sense them sharpens your ability to sense them and um and then you practice being the one that directs the attention, so very, very cool. And you start on the surface, like I mentioned, the surface of your body, and then you can go into your body, and you can start to feel organs. And um, I mean, I the passion is its own interview, the types of things that you feel. But like I mentioned in the blog post, um, the the experience that they designed the course to be in silence um, so that you don't share your experience with others. And so you don't compare. It's the comparing. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with me sharing what I'm experiencing, but the minute I do and you go, guess what? You don't feel the tingly sensation. You're going to be like, oh, but she got it. I want it. That's the craving. Oh, I want it. I want it. I don't have it. I'm not doing it right. Although that's the noise. That's the chaos. So the silence is only so that you don't do the silly human thing that we do and compare, um, and huh. And yeah, that's that's a whole separate conversation, but'
0: that's, I've never heard that before because I thought the silence was to was another modality or to reach uh, thoughtlessness. I thought the, the idea was that speech. Was a form of thought, and so you had yeah. to remain silent in order to get into a headspace without thought.
2: Well, yeah. I re- I remember in my first sitting, um, I came out of it not the first time I meditated, but you call like a ten day a sitting. So the first time I sat, um, I started to notice a knee pain. So I went to go speak to so- like a an instructor in one of the breaks there were like designated times when you could go and ask questions and i did and i told her about my knee pain and she said i don't remember what she said but what i took away was basically well why are you talking about it you talking about it keeps it alive why don't you just observe the knee pain and it won't stay forever and why don't you just let it come and go and
0: it's such a buddhist thing to uh, say. yeah <laughs>
2: I was like, oh, okay, I never thought of that. Um, But definitely, I I think it's both things, the comparing and how we use language to create um, chaos or keep it there. Uh, We use, and this is like another thing I've learned in other areas, like we use what we observe now as our reality. Uh, And... When in reality, things are always changing and growing. But if you stay focused on what you're observing, then that's, those are the blinders we talked about at the beginning. That's all you'll see. All you'll feel is like the tiniest bit of knee pain and you're like, ah, Advil or whatever. It turns into this thing you got to go address and then it can't be felt like those tears we were talking about in the sadness. It doesn't. It's not allowed to be felt and just be know it it must be stopped or it must be poked or surgery or whatever
1: mm-hmm. so that there we go <laughs>
0: <laughs> a lot of people um talk about in 10 day or well less than that seven day or five day retreats that day three or four is absolute hell did you did you have that experience as well
1: It's like up until
2: but days, but days three between three and seven, I don't remember because I was just so happy. Oh, really? Like, I just it just became a rhythm. I swear I was a monk in a past life because I just loved waking up. I believe it or not, I can't do it here, but when I'm there. I love the gong. I love waking up. I love the silence. I love the good vibes. And I, I you just get into a rhythm. Um, was it hell? I, what I remember was like body pains that were so incredibly painful and literally like wanting to cry while also being completely still, you know, like just allowing a, a suffering almost just to come and pour up. Um, that's what I remember.
0: Are, being. You're allowed to, for that to come out though, right?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's why I said the the main reason they told us, at least my group when we went that they want you to be silent is to not compare. So it's right. like, you don't have to squash your emotions. It's more just so you don't say, well, Johnny got this and I didn't. Mm-hmm yeah you can you'll find out more when you read the blog post because i share more about what happened to me personally there was something pretty important that happened to me personally while i was there the first time and i didn't write about the second time but the second time my car got stolen while i was at a meditation retreat my coach same coach he told me Victoria I told him I'm ready to go in I'm about to go in I'm not gonna you know talk to you for another 10 days and he said Victoria um let go of all attachments and enjoy yourself and like on day seven they called me in and said your car got stolen back here in Austin (laughs) so I'm like all attachments I guess I wasn't supposed to have that one (laughs) I remember talking to to the people on insurance um, who I, the the insurance company and the police when I got back to Austin. And I remember telling them like, look, I'm at a meditation retreat. So if I seem unconcerned and I'm an unstressed about my car being stolen, I just want you to know why, like it, most people might be freaking out, but I'm not, (laughs) I don't want you to think I'm a part of this or something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Trying to commit insurance fraud.
2: (laughs) Yeah, mm. yeah, I love Vipassana. I would love to do it once a year. Um, I don't always have the time to do it, but and it's free. I didn't mention mm. that, so it's free if you if you want to yeah. go. Um, only oh. people who have attended before can donate. Oh, it's... for a future sitter, it's completely donation based, and there are a ton of high-profile celebrities and musicians who have done it. You can Google it. Um, it's definitely not. It's definitely challenging, but if it's if it sounds like it's something it, 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 like kind of like rings your bell when you hear people talk about it, I would just follow that and go for it. Find, find mm-hmm. a place near you or a place that looks exciting. There's places all over the world, beautiful locations, and go try, and try it out.
0: I was planning on doing one just across the border to Spain when I uh-huh. lived in Portugal. And I Did moved, I know this? I moved away before I had a chance. No, I. we never talked about oh. it. Oh.
2: Um,
0: but it, it's been on my list for a long time to yeah. do a silent retreat. Yeah. Um, what else do you have on the list there? Let's for
1: see. Let's see. Let's see. Um,
2: I've seen a clairvoyant, and I see one regularly.
0: I have to confess, I have no idea what a clairvoyant oh, is. Oh,
2: okay. So um, clair, C-L-A-I-R, means clear in French, I think. Voyant, um, voyeur, means to see. So there's lots of types of clairs. Um, clairvoyant, clairsentient, cl- all kinds of different types of clairs. It, it, I'm not an expert, but clairvoyants see things. So the, uh, highly sensitive human who sees pictures i'm a clairsentient i talked about that inner guide that i have i i i not only can feel my feelings i can also um feel things from other people and we talked about we've talked just briefly about that being an empath they're like a little different um i don't know the specifics but clairsentient sentient sent sentir means mm-hmm. to feel so clairsentient is a, a someone who feels um, clear audience, someone who hears. So, so they're all forms of, um, I think they're forms of psychic ability. So you, so I have a friend who I would walk in the room or we were close at one time, me and this woman, and she would say, say that again. And I'd be like, I didn't say anything. She'd be like, "Oh, Oh, okay. Or, um, what did you say? Like you're rumbling and I wasn't saying anything, but she could hear things that we, that I couldn't hear Um, either things that I'm thinking. So the same way that I feel what others are feeling, she could hear different things. And it wasn't all the time, but every once in a while, like enough to where we kind of like joked about it with her. (laughs) Um, But a clairvoyant is probably the, when you think about a psychic, you probably think about, this kind, um, cause they might see in pictures or in flashes, um, or images or dreamy type things. Um, and so I, I worked with one, um, pretty early on in the depression, the, the depressive state that I was in, I wanted to know like, what the hell was up with me in this relationship with the adult that was abusive in my life. I wanted to know, like, karmically what's up like why is this happening why what's my relationship with this person and what,
0: what led you to go see a, a clairvoyant about this instead of any of the other options oh,
2: i was i've worked with i work with everyone at the same time
0: okay <laughs> <laughs> all right fair enough
2: some people you'll find you work with on an ongoing basis and some are like spot checks you know, like an oil change or something (laughs) (laughs) and you, you'll know what's right for you based on, you know, your own path. Um, so that's what, that's what I use this person for. Um, in, in Austin, Ed Carter and his, that's the name of the clairvoyant I saw and his, I believe his website is soul site S O U L S I G H T.
1: Okay. Um,
2: I love mm-hmm. him a lot. He's a great guy. I, and all he has like a day job and but can also do this and
0: what what does the what's that look like as far as
2: what was the experience? Yeah. Because <laughs> I like you want yeah. to picture what it's like. Um so uh, go over to his house. Um he'll he sat me in a chair. Um it, one of the things that I love about what he does is we do it together, any introspection into my system or my karmic system. Um and the way he explained it to me is like we will never do more than what your soul wants. So so he he has no hidden agenda. Um oh yeah I forgot about the Vedic astrologer. I saw a Vedic astrologer too. She told me that's like an Indian birth chart astrology. Um, she told me something similar. She said, Victoria, my karma is tied into my readings. So if she were to manipulate someone in a reading and tell them false information or try and manipulate them and use them in some way that would impact her karma. So she has no interest in doing that just for anyone who might, I don't know, be fearful. Um, Vedic astrology is its own thing. Also very interesting. Um. I could just go on and on, but so I'm sitting in, in Ed's living room, I'm sitting in a chair and we both kind of open up the space and we agree, we're, like we're verbally talking to ourselves and the universe and saying like, we're, we want to go explore um, this and he'll, he would do an energy clearing. So um, work with my energy, I kind of go into a meditative state, he kind of guides me just to be in a meditative space. clear out my energy um so you might call it your aura you might call it like i don't know the energy an energy wash i don't know something like that and as he's doing that he'll get those images those flashes that's the clairvoyant piece so he gets pictures of different people or different things um and he can interact with those and talk to them and he's doing all that silently Um, and so he did that and then um once he kind of gets to like a stopping place um 30 45 minutes an hour it depends um
0: so the, the whole thing is in silence then
2: i'm i'm like meditating basically and he'll direct me and he'll um direct me to do different things like if there's like a lot of gunk in my system we will like energetically like throw that gunk out in front and we'll like blow things up and (laughs) (laughs) it's fun. Um, But afterwards he'll um, then he'll give me a reading and tell me what he saw, who he saw, what he talked to or who he talked to. Um, And there was stuff that I never mentioned to him. Like he He said immediately, um, it's so interesting because he'll send recordings of the session too. And the first time I saw him, I didn't know what was happening. So I had no reference. And there were like, if you listen, there was, and I remember this, there was a whole period where he was doing something, but it was like, he hadn't started yet. And then he's like, okay. And then he started. There was like a period of like 10 minutes or that's what it felt like. And he told me when he did the reading that, um, the adult who was my abuser showed up in the room, not physically, but like energetically. And he had a conversation with that person of like, what are you doing here? What, like what's happening? Um, and I don't want to go in like way into specifics cause it gets maybe a little personal, but, um, the way he described that individual was unmistakable and he's never met that person. And I don't think I mentioned more than
1: any kind of passing information. So it was really, um, I don't know, just like a different kind of level of working
2: through some of the stuff I had been working through in my personal life to get that kind of insight. And, a lot of it i kind of intuitively knew but it was also nice to kind of get a confirmation
0: so it was it. not ness nece- am i correct in saying it's not necessarily a healing but it helps clarify and um or it helped you clarify and solidify things.
2: There were healing aspects of it actually. So clarity came in the talking, but the actual energy work that he does is he's like cleaning out your energy and there um there's like gunk that he'll help me clean out um energetically though. Yeah. Hmm. Not Yeah, I'm not the expert on it, but I'll just throw in my experience. It's all
0: very, I don't know what to think of it. (laughs) But I'm definitely, I'm always open to listen and learn. Yeah.
2: Well, and for anybody, I mean, just to reiterate, like I have a master's degree. I used to work for the federal government and I grew up super analytical in an analytical household. My mom was a teacher and my dad was an engineer and entrepreneur. And I'm not saying one way is right or one way is wrong, but. I went out in my searching and looked for things that, and followed that like gut check that was like, Ooh, this sounds interesting. And, um, for me, it gave me a lot of answers, all the things that I've tried. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: What's what's next on the list? Um, (laughs) well, how, how are we doing like progress wise? To cover for covering all of the different We're like halfway, okay, right.
2: <laughs> I could go quickly and then you could pinpoint like the ones that you want to go deeper in too if you wanted
0: um I yeah, what... I
2: don't know what's interesting to the listeners,
0: well, the listeners aren't here, so <laughs> <laughs> i get I get to choose what's interesting, okay. yeah, go ahead and read off um the rest, and we'll see yeah
2: acupuncture. For a lot of people that's normal, for a lot of people that's really weird, I found it highly useful in helping me sleep. Um, I am not diagnosed with PTSD, but I show all the signs of PTSD, like very um, anxious. And so um, very, very useful. I I would say if you are going to do deep inner work, you have to also up your self-care game a lot.
0: You mean physically? Physical self care or?
2: All kinds, but yeah, definitely physical. So it's like acupuncture, massage, those taking a walk outside, those are no longer luxuries. Like those are helping me because I'm going through so much deep emotional work. Um, and I think for some people, like that self indulgent, guilty piece, like that we were talking about earlier, I think for a lot, like it's a shift to think of that stuff not as. Um, bonus or just for rich people or i don't know whatever it's right it's part of my healing journey um yeah yeah other things chiropractic that's really interesting i learned this that your spine when it's out of alignment um you will not feel any pain or issue until it is 60% or more out of alignment. Oh. So ju- so if you're feeling pain that like you're already like way out of alignment. So And in your spine are all the nerves that communicate to all the organs in your body. So if you're doing deep emotional work, you want someone looking at your spine to help uh, support that channel that communicates, that biological channel that communicates your brain to all your organs so that you're, you're, I don't know, something in your abdomen that's holding some kind of grief or that you're working through or that's part of your processing system for whatever trauma you're going through that your brain can communicate with that organ so it's getting the nutrients the blood the oxygen that it needs to detox or whatever
0: it's also physical sensation I would imagine wouldn't it you have to does it affect this sp- or the spinal misalignment affect physical sensation as well oh yeah <laughs> which
2: what, what do you mean oh yeah, b- yeah because like-
0: that's that's how emotional signals get transmitted. Is through physical sensation. Yeah.
2: Again, not an expert on it, but I learned at least that much, and it's something I've also done for about two, three years now. Regularly is just keep that up. Hmm. Um, let's see, uh, other bodywork, Rolfing, R O L F I N G. So you might think it's, it's like ro- roll <laughs> on the floor laughing. I know.
0: No, I was thinking, um, isn't that a euphemism for puking? Oh, yeah. Rolf, rolfing. Rolf. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but this is a really deep, deep, deep tissue. Like you want to cry.
0: Oh, it's a, a massage.
2: It's not a massage. It's it like breaks up the fascia in your muscles. It doesn't. Usually does not feel good at all. You feel better afterwards, but going through it, you're essentially like taking these numbed, hardened muscles that have built all these patterns from like the um, I want to say asustar. That means to be scared or frightened or shocked oh, in Spanish.
1: Okay, <laughs> I
2: can't. Th- I couldn't think of like the English word, but that like
1: hey. that
2: kind of thing your shoulders do or like the, all the body reactions that we do to hold in emotions um that you, goes
0: in into all of is it Is that the same as, as the sympathetic nervous system or autonomic nervous system I don't know <laughs> Okay <laughs>
2: That's too much for me
0: Where where did the um
2: Steve does the raw thing that's where I learned uh, about it Okay and
0: um, where where did the Spanish word come from? Why did you use the Spanish word?
2: Because some words I only know. I just oh, I think okay. in both.
0: Okay, I've never heard you do that before. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> only with some things you just have the imprint, so yeah. I just used it. Yeah, yeah, nothing to do with this. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, one thing. Another tool. Reddit. I had never used Reddit before, but at about year two of my journey, right about when I started getting criticized publicly, and I was like, shit, I got to take this offline. I cannot handle public criticism right now when I'm really sensitive. I joined Reddit. Um, There's a channel called RBN Raised by Narcissists.
0: Oh, wow. You
2: can find people will openly talk about I mean you know that was my situation I if you're no matter what you're dealing with you can find a channel that works for you and your you know circumstances but to have other people just share their stories about what they were dealing with the challenges they were facing I could see myself and I could see the patterns and I could see oh this is them not uh, meaning the narcissist in my life, not me. Um, Life changing. And you can do it from the privacy of your own home. Better than reading psychology today articles that try and explain something like just go talk to someone who's dealing with this. And they have really good moderators on that channel um, that will provide support and chime in. And there's a lot of like old timers that have been there who can help you out even if you're new um highly highly recommend that um another thing cool an app um if you if you deal with codependency which i also dealt with which is like an unhealthy attachment on and reliance on another person or uh, anything external to you it could be a, a drug or something like that um Language of Letting Go app. That's the name of the app. Um, It's um, created out of a book that this author, Melody Beattie, B-E-A-T-T-I-E, Melody Beattie, she wrote a book of a similar name. Um, And you get little notifications every day for a little nugget about codependency to learn and think about for that day. I religiously read that every day for like a year and i still have it i still get the notifications like two three years later i think it costs under 15 bucks it might cost 12 it might cost six i don't remember what the exact cost was but one of the best investments technologically that i got
0: is is there any other part to the app than the quotes or is it just
2: it's mostly just thought a quote, bubbles. yeah, and the thought, and you can share it or star it or save it, but it's okay. mostly just the little push reminder, which I think is part of its simplicity is that it's just real- you know the effectiveness mm-hmm. is just a tiny little thing. uh shout out to my cousin who told me about that, and yeah, all these little things, I think, are just so helpful um one book, if you have dealt with trauma um in your life this is a big one it's an, like an encyclopedia thickness i have it i'll show it to you and we could add a photo of it to the show notes it's uh-huh. this thick it's about three inches thick um eastern body western mind by anadea judith so it, it what you're looking have no, you heard
0: of it no no but it, I'm, it sounds interesting yeah doesn't it? the title immediately oh my god takes my interest
2: so it it merges so if you've studied even a little bit of psychology you know there's the um psychological development of a human from child to adult and there's different stages and different things that happen at each stage of development things a child can do and things they can't and this book maps psychological developmental stages to the corresponding chakra development stages so If you don't know anything about chakra development, it also happens in, uh, formative years. So like each chakra from about your sacrum, which is like where your butt is, um, to like your abdomen, to your stomach area, to your solar plexus, to your heart, to your throat, uh, I think to like your third eye and then to your crown and then your aura, those are like the basic chakra levels. Um those develop and they at similar developmental stages like you're not going to go st- straight to crown chakra or straight to throat chakra you you have to start at the sacral chakra um is, at the bottom
0: Is there anything well two questions can you define chakra yeah.
2: I don't know but it's like an energetic core it, Okay of you um all humans have them it's like a a spiritual interpretation of these energetic cores that's how i think of it i have not i'm not an expert on it but this book maps chakra development to psychological development so you can go ages 0 to 1 and they'll side by side look at what's happening psychologically and what's happening in in your chakra system. And they will also go through what happens if there is trauma and abuse at each developmental stage and what happens. So for example, for me, um, there was, um, violence in my, in my household while I was younger, um, physical violence, all kinds of violence. And so what. So you can imagine the normal development of a child is to go stage by stage and slowly build up emotional tolerance or or in the chakra development, um, you start from the bottom and work your way up, but because of that violence, and that's like at the lowest, when I, when I was very, very young, when I was developing those lower level, um, areas, they did not get developed emotionally. In me or psychologically in me. And I went all all my energy, all my energy went up to these higher, to these higher uh, chakras. Um, so a lot of people who who might have it. So just for example, I'm not the expert. You can read it in the book. Super, super interesting. I spent like a year studying this book at each of the stages. Um sometimes what happens when people, when child children experience physical abuse is um, They end up being very smart or they end up being being kind of floaty or um, spiritual. All of that is high up here. You can think about it like up here in your head. Like it's hard to be me. It's hard to be in my feet. It's hard to be in my legs. Um, It's hard to be in my hips, in my abdomen, in my sexual organs. All of those are lower parts of me. Um, And you'll see that if you look around, if you if you're walking around you'll see people with like their shoulders up in their neck near their ears, like maybe not quite that drastic, but you can see all their energy is up, up, up. Um, or there's just all kinds of different manifestations and getting to study that while I was going through healing myself and getting to have an expert. And this woman, I believe is a psychologist and, um, a spiritual practitioner. So she was an expert in both arenas. And she had counseled people for years, just really, really well known, highly um, regarded book. Um, so getting to read her kind of highlighting the different patients she saw and how things manifested in different body types and body shapes and the the struggles that different people dealt with. Um, if you have trouble um, speaking on stage or like I, I mentioned like being yourself in front of, um, people who are very forceful. Like that's a, that's like a throat issue or a solar plexus issue. Um, they're, they're all related and, um, really, really cool book to comb through while you're going through Mm -hmm. things. I will mention though, I did not know how out of, the low, like I would, I've been out of the lower half of my body for most of my life. And I didn't know that. So when I opened the book, I wanted to go straight to the heart. We put so much emphasis on the heart, opening your heart, your heart chakra, like lead with the heart. Um, I I think a lot of us are who've experienced any kind of trauma like I would I just had no idea I was even disconnected from the lower part of my body and someone who introduced the book to me said hey I know you want to go there but I highly recommend you go down start from the beginning mm. so I would recommend they, that to they everybody. recommended
0: going to the feet well there's or, no feet one
2: mm. you start with the sac- so, the sacral oh, okay. chakra okay but that covers um your grounding and all you know all and the Everything below
0: it. Well, it sounds sort of related to heal your body, that book by Mm -hmm. Louise Hayes. Um, did I get that name right? Yeah, I think so. Louise. Yeah, but it or Hay. Um, I have observed. I don't know anything about Eastern medicine or chakras or anything along those lines, but I have observed in myself that and in other people in family that um the mind can be used as its own numbing instrument for numbing emotional mm-hmm. stuff. Yes. And that you become so concentrated in thought and in in your head, like you said, that all bodily sensations and this wealth of other sensory data that we have access to is you don't even know it's disconnected yeah Um, well
2: even you said tonight that you didn't even know that you were in pain
0: mm -hmm. well I didn't I felt it but I wasn't
2: but not enough Um, not enough awareness and even right now like as we're talking about this I'm like intentionally putting sensation into my feet Right now, because even this conversation, any, it doesn't even have to be trauma. Sometimes you can just be excited and things get real heady, and you, oh yeah, trapped in like a head conversation with someone.
0: (laughs) And a a side note, actually, for listeners on that, and heads, the app Headspace was a game changer for me in that he does fantastic body scanning exercise that will start to open up uh focusing on different on sensory data on different parts of your body. And it it works wonders for for me it was a, almost literally a lifesaver for dealing with anxiety in work that I could focus on bodily sensations and just watch the anxiety meter drop <laughs> before a client phone call yeah. um so worth checking
1: out
2: yeah but let me see what, yeah let what's next else. um the last thing i think this is the last thing that i would highly recommend um well if it calls to you um abraham hicks so if you've heard of the secret or the law of attraction um abraham hicks was the originator of a lot of that information and much like some of the stuff we were talking about with landmark um a lot of our common things that we believe now are common things that we say now about positive thinking um and other other things in that arena originated from a lot of their work. And so this is like way out there for some people, um, just because of how the information comes. But Esther Hicks is a woman out of San Antonio. She has since traveled the world um sharing this information. She is a channeler. Um and so the same way that I can feel things from other people and my clairvoyant can see things when he taps into your energy. Um and even the same way like I could find the words that someone was trying to say. Um, We all are very highly sensitive, intuitive people, and different people have different skills. This woman is able to tap into a higher consciousness that calls, it's a collective of of beings, and they call themselves Abraham. Um, And she speak so the words come from her mouth but they are words that she is receiving and tapping into from a higher consciousness and so they call it abraham hicks her name's esther hicks and if you want to listen to a really great intro to pla to this just so you can kind of wrap your head around what this is because i had no idea what it was and it was kind of out there when i first started listening um spotify actually has the story behind Abraham Hicks, um Esther Hicks and her late husband Jerry talk about the journey to discovering this and like using this as a tool and a gift to people. That's on Spotify. Um, Oprah Winfrey also has a really great interview you can look up on YouTube of her interviewing it um with the same skepticism you might have. I mean, so be skeptic. That's good. <laughs> and then and then go in and listen and experience for yourself. Um, the wisdom that they share is, I mean, it's like universal truths and it's exactly what we've been kind of talking about. And, uh, tonight, um, tapping into that inner guide and tapping into joy and your joy, what makes you happy. And, um, I listened to those videos, um, at night, when I have insomnia or in between client calls, um, it's something that immediately kind of tunes me up to a vibration that I want to be at. And I used it as part of my morning routine for almost a year, if not more, like every day, to listening to it. Um, so I just wanted to share another highly, highly useful tool
0: here does does it um what she have to say communicate with you on a mental level or is it more of an emotional or energetic level
2: i would say energetic and um mental so it's to me it's logical and the energy at which they vibrate at is a very nice energy for me. I just like mm-hmm. it. So I can, you can feel it even in the recording where they come from. Um, but then logically they'll break things down. Cause it's a Q and a call and response kind of thing. Call and response is what you do in singing, but Q and a, um, <laughs> people will ask questions and then they'll respond. So you can hear people struggle with like concepts and ask questions about their love life or money or whatever they're struggling with and um abraham will respond um i Mm. forgot one really important part of my journey though
0: what was that
2: um i i mentioned him earlier but steve
0: oh yeah of course
2: oh my gosh i he is someone who has studied um everything that i've mentioned and more um he's he's maybe about he's been doing this for about 50 years started when he was 19 worked with um fritz Perls, the founder of gestalt therapy which you can watch like old videos uh, on youtube um he worked with wilhelm reich who was um or, or the 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 daughter of Wilhelm Reich who worked with him or something like he is old enough that he has worked with the founders of major forms of therapy has also studied um body body work rolfing massage um has studied and become initiated with several different spiritual lineages and masters um and when I say studied I mean for like decades not like a weekend workshop um he is someone who works daily even now and he is um like at level 70 or above in the game of life <laughs> <laughs> i don't know exactly but somewhere around there he works daily on himself and on his emotions and on connecting to his inner guide and i mention that only because you want access to the best. I have never met somebody with that level of dedication for his own personal practice. Um, and then he's just worked with couples, individuals with all kinds of traumas. He's worked in jails. He's worked in detention facilities. He's worked um, with rich people, with entrepreneurs, with couples. Um, with people of different religious backgrounds all over the world. So his experience with people, his ability to read people is just phenomenal. And um, I would not be a functioning human being right now. I mean, I might be, I, I might, I would, I would keep doing whatever I was doing before, which was like barely getting by emotionally for sure barely scraping by emotionally like down in the dumps emotionally um without him and he talk about pouring into people like that's he and i click because he pours
1: into me um 100 percent i he is uh
2: i don't i don't want to make him seem like he's perfect he's not perfect but he is a model for how to communicate, how to be in relationship with someone. And I don't mean romantic or anything, just like to be close to someone and sort through things and be in communication. Um, a model for how to learn to take care of yourself, a model for how to parent. He has no blood children, but he knows how to parent himself. and he, And he, taught me and helped me find my way
1: to parent myself um truly exceptional human being um
2: but yeah i don't know what else i want to say about that because that i mean out of everything i've done if you if you're capable and ready to do that level of deep work um Every session I would go in and it, it, it could be gestalt therapy one time or rolfing and body work. He worked a lot on my abdomen where I said um, that was like a chakra area, like that lower part of me. Um, we would just we, we would do open eye meditations, group work. I've been working, meeting with the same group of people for two and a half years, once a week, every week. That doesn't happen. And we're not blood relatives. Like, that doesn't happen. No one's forcing us to do that. And we support each other and do work in front of each other. So you get to work. You get to any blocks you have and being vulnerable or feeling supported, you get to work through that in a group. Very safe environment. You also get. At your highest, remember we talked about both ends of the stick and feeling everything. Um, your shiniest, because we also work on meditation. Because Steve knows the whole spectrum or many part, many facets of it. So he'll he'll guide us through these beautiful meditations where you're just like radiant and everyone's <laughs> glowing and your whole. You literally see people's face change. They came in and they were kind of ugly people. But then they're brilliant and shiny, and you think it's difficult to share the darkest parts of you. Yes, it is, but it's also vulnerable to share, like, the brightest part the part that says, I'm here to help bring heaven on earth. And that's
0: more scary for me than the dark parts.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so I've gotten to work with people I care about a lot who also are here for the same reason. Um, And me see them and them see me. So Mm -hmm. I I can't say enough about that. Out of everything that I've done, um, I would say all the other things were like leading, at least up to now, leading me to this and all the other practices I have, like acupuncture support me so I can do... The deep emotional work with Um, him—it's the num—it has been the number one priority in my life for the last couple years, because I—I didn't want to live another day, kind of locked up inside. Mm -hmm.
0: If um, if people wanted to check Steve out or his work or it's called the center for astonishing light right yeah what what would they do to get a taste for that or
2: um well so as at the time of this taping that you know his website is a constant evolution but there's a start here button you can check out his website there's a start here and there's a couple options um you can we've started recording some of these meditations and teachings so you can go on YouTube you can see that under the start here section um then you can listen to some of his recordings his are very energetic you asked about Abraham Hicks they're kind of balanced intellectual energetic steve steve's um meditations and recordings are just completely on the energetic level so you can just kind of relax and kind of tune into some of those um You can call him directly from that and set up like a one-on-one session. And then um, from time to time here in Austin, we um, host an open workshop where you can come in and try um, a lot of different types of energy work, um, waking up your energy, deeper work. It'll be in a group setting. Um, He works with people one-on-one and in groups and, um, with couples and, uh, he can do long distance, although it's good for people to come in for like a long weekend and get some work done and then maybe Mm -hmm. take off and follow up over the phone. But the best thing I've come across. So if you, if you have, and I have, experienced some really difficult um I'll ju- I'll just say abuse and trauma in my childhood and then in my young adult life so it does not matter how sensitive or difficult whatever it is that you've dealt with or or stuck um he's highly trained and skilled in helping you navigate that in a way that feels safe and um And it's still really deep, getting to the root. You want to stop dating narcissists. You want to stop dating the asshole. You want to stop throwing yourself under the bus. You want to work. You want to start charging what you're worth. Like those are all patterns. And um, there's a lot of surface stuff out there, surface trainings and courses and teachers. And they're all great. Mindset is great. But you want to get to the root. You know where that pattern got embedded. um You got to go a little deeper. So, I could just keep talking about it. So I'm <laughs> gonna pause right here.
0: <laughs> I, I think that's actually a perfect place to wrap up. Yeah. Is there anything that you would ask of people listening? A message or a quest, maybe a question you want them to ask themselves or
1: challenge Yeah There's a couple things I say to people um
2: one it does not matter what you've dealt with in life you can come back from anything it likely will take a lot of work I mean you've heard just you've heard majority of the work that I've done and it's not all of it and it's taken years and I think it'll be a lifetime coming, but hopefully, this helps you feel not alone in your own journey or not behind or not at the wrong place. Um, and hopefully, inspires you to feel like, yeah, I can do this. You know, I'm not the only one going through this. Um, one of my first clients. The late Muki Okan, she made an amazing documentary about sexuality. Um, she
1: taught me to ask myself, What is it that I need right now? And I think that's enough in terms of what you could ask. Of you, that's a great relationship
2: to start with. So, so maybe that's the question. Mm -hmm. What is it? What is it that you need right now? And it could, it could. uh, For years in my depression, the answer was a donut. I'm not kidding. It was a donut. A donut was going to make me happy, and it was going to help me get through the day. That's okay. It's a fucking donut. Go get yourself that donut. Help yourself get through the day. It, it I'll say this and maybe this one last thing, if you're dealing with depression, did we ask, maybe you, did, did you ask that question of what would I tell someone?
0: I didn't know.
2: This one is, all things are so important. <laughs> I'm so grateful for the chance to get to share this, but I told myself, remember I told you, I didn't know how long the depression would last. At one point I said, okay, however long it lasts,
1: I will love whatever sadness is here um damn it i forgot what i was gonna say but but i think
0: the well my original question was going to be what would you tell someone in the middle who's in the midst of depression and has lost hope
2: what i told myself during this time is it will not last forever I must love this sadness the same way I would love a child who was sad, who experienced some kind of trauma, you know, a car accident or a parent's divorce or something physical. Um, It will not last forever. I, I swear to you,
1: it won't. And you just keep loving yourself through it. And I don't know how long it's gonna
2: last, but you're not alone and you stay open and people will show up
1: and you'll see signs and you keep looking for what brings you joy today. I'm gonna go give you a big hug.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for for being willing to do this. It's been yeah i don't I don't have the words to to say how much fun this was and how meaningful Aww. and yeah, so thank you
1: yeah oh, <laughs>
0: and with that, we'll wrap it up
1: yeah bye
0: hey, Joe. here again with a few more things before you take off uh if you liked this episode. You can find more episodes at rule.com. and also there you can sign up to be notified by email when there are new episodes released and I will also be writing some blog content there eventually is the plan so you can sign up to be notified of all of that stuff and Please, um, if if you have any suggestions to make this show better, you can email me Joe at jorule dot or email or get me on Twitter at Joseph Rule. Uh, if you have any guests that you would like to see on the show, any improvements for the show, um, show notes, that kind of thing, please get in touch. And also, please. Leave a review on Google Play or iTunes or wherever Um, you're listening to this. That would be super helpful. Thanks again, and I hope to hear from you.